Hello, hello. Oh, aloha. I love aloha. Hello, Glenn, Glenn Jane. Nice to see you. And thank you for being here and bringing your light, because that's what this is all about. Uh, we're probably going to be a few minutes or more waiting for Tom. Uh, the time change got us a little bit turned around, but he said that he would probably be about 10 minutes behind. And I thought I would just come in on time, change my glasses. <laughs> and uh, chat with you guys it's always nice to get a few people in the room before my guest arrives anyway and how the heck are you doing let me know in the chat where are you uh, glenn jane where, whereabouts are you located in this crazy world that we're in how's it going there with restrictions does anybody uh suffer with a third wave yet because wow so much so much happening so much going on i'm hoping my client in australia will catch this one because uh Tom Barnett, wow! I am, um, you know, I I have followed him since the pandemic begun. He was one of those ones that came out very early and uh, spoke the hey, Cam from Winnipeg, <laughs> nice to see you, uh, Cape Breton Island, excellent. I, I believe that I imagine it's not Ape Breton, yeah, Cape Breton, excellent. I was in Cape Breton Island when I was a child, and uh, it's so beautiful. The east coast of Canada is amazing. Hello, Mr. L.A. Nice to see you today. Nice to meet you. Um, we're just getting geared up here. If you have any questions for Tom, by the way, I am pretty stunned by his knowledge. I know that two hours will not be near enough to ask all of the questions of this very well-rounded individual, to say the least. But uh, we're going to focus on... You know why we need to do the media's job and the court's jobs right now like like uh who says it that we need to be lawyers who is that <laughs> i'm mixing up my uh, my people at this point but uh do let me know if you have any questions about about law in general i i did hear one thing tom say that it's different in Australia because they are a conquered country. So I'm going to get him to ask what that is and, and why, for example, would Canada be any different? I consider us to be a conquered country as well, but maybe that has different meaning or it's a, a matter of scale. I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about commerce law. That's been a, an ongoing theme in all of the studies and the boiling down and you know getting at what's actually important because there's no end of things you could study as rob menard said go and do the lsat every day for 30 days well is that practical for the vast majority of people maybe that's what we need to do but you know so i've, I've heard him say some pretty awesome things about about commerce and uh and, and as that's a good place to begin hello bastian nice to see you amsterdam there's a continued lockdown curfew and other measures here like non-essential shops are closed ah i see the economy and freedoms are shut down there's no letting up of the crazy measures yep hello heartline realm yeah it's intense they're they're definitely threatening the third wave on us and it could be any minute or the summer <laughs> i don't know yeah glad to have you here as well heartline so yeah i'm trying to work up my nerve right now to to start going maskless again there came a time where i just got kind of smashed and and injured in a, just in a psychic way we're all such babies like nobody touched me but i definitely felt afraid and it made me retreat back into a uh, a masked place and it's it doesn't sit right with me i can't stand it so i have to get my way to the other side hello lynn michelle nice to see you 
Uh, Glenn says, presently I'm in firm faith that things of the world are as they are, whole, complete, and divine, no matter what is on the surface. Amen. That is wisdom. I love that. Great conclusion. Yeah, in my, in my high moments, I'm there with you, right there. And that is the work we're doing. It's mostly an inside job. We're not working on the world out there. We're working on the world in here. And that's where I see miracles happen, right? Not where I try to force my opinion or perspective on somebody else, uh, wanting them to get it, wanting them to grow up. It's like, no, why don't I get it to the next level? Why don't I grow up to the next level? Bastian said he goes maskless, but in supermarkets, you're usually the only one on the on the street. People are maskless. Yeah. And I can deal with a shop person uh, that's not... Uh, not a big deal. Hello, Madeline. Nice to see you. But it's it's the public that has free reign here. I don't know what it's like for you guys over there in Amsterdam, for example, but uh, we have a snitch line, right? We're, it's not only okay to turn people in, they're encouraging it. And uh, does anyone know even what's happening with the, the orders here? Cam, are you, have you kept up with that stuff? I'm probably asking the wrong person. I've turned a little bit of a blind eye. I was watching very closely what all the orders are and the little stupid details of, of the monkey hoops they want us to jump through. But I got sick of it, so I stopped doing that. And uh, Lynn Michelle, done trying to convince anyone anymore. Excellent. Well done. That is so good. Now, the trick of it is not to go into not caring. Right, that's that's the sideways off ramp, the way getting out of the pain of uh, you know going to the next level. So you can't convince anyone now what, and that's going to bring up some pain. Uh, we deal with that in my program called the uh, Primal Power, where you can work through the five archetypes that basically govern over this flip and the flop that we do between feeling like we are, uh, you know, things are just happening to us, maybe we're a victim of a situation, to the flop where you go into maybe not caring or feeling um, angry at them, wanting to control them. And uh, so we're sorting all of that out in Primal Power. It starts April 18th. I've one, ran one round of this course. It was amazing. So good. And if you're interested, I will share a link with you if you want to check that out. So we're just waiting for Tom. He is coming. And have no fear if you want to go and grab yourself a tea or a coffee or um, any kind of thing. Oh, there it is. It's a ticker at the bottom. I didn't make, mean to make that a ticker, but it's bethmartins.com backslash primal power. Hello, Billingtony Bear. Tono. <laughs> I better get my words all straight before Tom comes on. Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. Heartline says, I have a face mask. I appreciate your honesty about feeling fear. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I consider myself an expert at dealing with fear, and then there it is. It's new levels, and I'm putting myself in a position. I'm gearing up. I'm going to release this next level of fear, and I'm going to face the public. According to one of my mentors and Cal Washington, you can get to that place where, and I've, I've had tastes of this, I just haven't been able to get there fully or, or consistently, that, that it's like, nope, this is not the droid you're looking for. And then maybe they don't even see you. Have you, ever, have you ever been somewhere where they just don't see you? You're vibing at a different frequency, not like you're so high up and, and get to feel good about yourself about that, but just you're just not there to them. 
Hello, Stephen Owens. I'm so glad you're here and excited too. I really am. I'm freaking out. There's, I, I would like to interview Tom several times because there's just so much breadth of knowledge and experience this guy has. It's insane. A true multi-passionate king hero he is. Uh, Cam says, Winnipeg is suggesting the lockdowns may ease up, but also have the vaccines given in two weeks. Yep, they're lining, lining us up for that vaccine. Here it comes. And I know that Trudeau has already talked about passports. That's on the table. Do you think he's getting any backlash? I hope so. There is a rally here on Saturday. Two of my amazing good friends and colleagues and uh, clients are going to be speaking there. So if you're in Manitoba, do tune in. I believe it's 2 p.m. at the Human Rights Museum. So that will be interesting. They're expecting a lot of people and that would be a good thing, I think. What do you guys think of protesting on the street? Is that a good way to go? Is it is it productive? I'm not trying to discourage anyone, of course, because if that's your superpower, then it's hard to argue with anybody's superpower. But uh, certainly lots has been said about that. My 1 p.m. Thank you, Cam. Okay, that's good to know. 1 p.m. on Saturday. So if you're in Manitoba and you want to come and join us at that rally, uh, looks like it's uh, probably ticket time, right? Because they're still they're still ticketing us. I don't know. I don't go out anymore. <laughs> I'm just staying in my lane, doing my work, telling uh, or letting God tell me what to do. Hello, Grounded Extracts. Nice to see you. Thank you for your presence. I totally appreciate it. That keeps me going, honestly, when I see the people coming uh, in the uh, in their good good ideas and good places, and just let me make sure that Tom is able to get on. I'm going to resend him a link. So thank you for your patience. Go grab a coffee or a tea, or tell me what is happening in your world. Where are you, grounded extracts? And Stephen Owens, by the way, always oh, out. And Charlie Harrington is here. So good. And Heartline, you said, I sent the governor of Washington and Nancy Pelosi emails this morning. Good on you. <laughs> That's so great. So you must be in Washington. Interesting. Washington is its own little beast of sorts. Hey? All right. So let me see. Okay, here we go. I can't barely think and type at the same time. Doop, doop, doop. There you go. Awesome. Bitches Brew. Yeah, Bitches Brew episode was really fun last night. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Stephen's from uh, Portland, Oregon. Nice. Got a good good client contact there. Upstate New York. I love upstate New York. So good. Grunted extracts. I was there this summer. I blew past the border and uh, spent a glorious, I don't know, 12 days in that area. I loved it. It was amazing. So beautiful. Rolling hills. Totally picturesque. Beautiful forest going on. Hello, Sue Patrick. Sakuto Tombu, sorry, butchered your name like crazy. I should have stopped with your first name. Very happy to see there are many taking this up and doing the work that we're doing. I know, isn't that a comfort? The, oh, clicked on the wrong one. Yeah, it is It is uh, amazingly comforting to find these people. That's why I do the King Heroes Journey podcast in the first place. 
I, by the way, am an archetype purpose and business coach, and I am helping people to find out what are they doing here on Earth right now? Why was it important to come to Earth? And what is the work that you're doing here? Yet yeah, is truly beautiful, absolutely grounded. <clears throat> because if we don't discover that, it is the biggest pain in your neck. I just uh, was uh, in a session and, and uh, watching somebody go through that eye of the needle. It's really intense and there is pain on the other side, but it's so beautiful and it's productive pain and it's breakthrough pain, right? It's so different from stuck pain that is absolutely useless. But uh, yeah, and these king heroes, they're getting together and that's the, the most fun thing for me to watch because it's not just one of them on all of their own little satellite channels. They are starting to actually combine efforts. Uh, Bastian says, the, the madness is not going to go away. We'll have to find our own way and in a positive way, ignore the powers that were. They're eating their own tail. Nicely said, Bastian. I agree. Absolutely. Hello, Clayton. Nice to see you, Brian Ferry. And where's Tom? He's coming. He's coming. He promised. He's coming. Our time change mucked things up. They also had some kind of time change, but like by half an hour or something like that instead of a whole hour. So uh, he, he said that he'd be about 10 minutes behind, so we should be here soon. Charlie, hello, thank you. That, uh, that was such a fun interview with El, Alphonse and, and Ryan. I never thought looking at the law and talking about the law could be so joyful, right? Incredibly joyful. That was uh, a serious breakthrough story. Absolutely loved it. Ryan's energy is just that young guy who's willing to be the head of the spear and he's you know he he's not afraid of a beating we all have to get to that place where we're not afraid of a beating that's why i need to you know get my courage up to the next level if someone takes me down or, or fights with me or makes me feel like i'm not safe in the parking lot to to get that next level level of power now i'm not recommending that you put yourself in harm's way ever it's not necessary hello mojo shop nice to see you so, yep, never putting yourself in harm's way. I, I, did, did you ever see that movie that was um, about a professional clown? It was William, um, darn it, I'm not going to get, oh, Robin Williams. There you go. I knew William was, it was right. And he was trying to encourage his partner he got romantically involved with to not be afraid of the homeless people anymore. And then, um, and then she ended up getting murdered by... The next person, she went against her instincts. To me, that's the best cautionary tale ever. She went against her instincts. Now, instincts and fear are not the same thing. That's why it's so tricky, right? You, you, you don't want to listen to your fear. Fear is blinding. But if you let that fear go, it will uncover your true instincts, right? You're not meant to just blindly trust everybody. That is a serious shadow of the child archetype. And uh, so walking, walking that way, it's not, it's not the answer. Bastian said, it's amazing, here I'll put this quote up, it's amazing how much panic one honest man can spread amongst a multitude of hypocrites. Mm, that's loaded. Good one. I love it. I love it. Yeah, first step, staying away from sketchy parking lots. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I, I will protect myself. I'll, if I have the slightest little inkling of something, then I'll just ask for a walkout. For, so that I can be accompanied to my car. I've done that hundreds of times, actually hundreds of times. I've been doing that my whole life. Just grab the nearest person. Hey, could you walk me to my car? Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Because uh, we don't have to just walk in fear. And there are ways to let that fear go that's extremely powerful and enlightening. There's always something you didn't see 
on the other side of the fear. 100% guarantee. And you could not see it without letting that fear go. So who would have thunk that the law can bring such joy? Yeah, exactly. It's so fun, especially when it's working, right? There's, there's a lot of people on the theoretical side of it. And they are trying to break ground. And I think this is not a good time to break ground. Maybe for somebody with a lot of experience, for example, Tom, he would be in a position to do more experimenting and, and color outside of the lines, which I've heard him talk about saying he's, he's done. But for us that are still in diapers, maybe you're in diapers, I don't know if you're in diapers, but uh, it's, not, it's not a good time for experimentation. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I would rather look and see at what's working where people are actually getting remedy, the proof is in the pudding. And then still you have to walk, you, know, you can't just be a robot and go and like, you know, script out everything that Ryan said, and that's exactly what I'm going to say, because your situation will be live time. Um, I'm training coaches to read archetypes. By the way, I'm starting a new program in September coming up. So you've got lots of time to think about whether you want to be that one to help people deprogram. To me, that's the job that we need to do. And uh, so I was, I was uh, just in a session and helping somebody to let that stuff go. And what was my point? Darn it, I'm at, I missed the point. <laughs> Aha, just in time, actually. So Tom is here. That's amazing. Yay, I'm so happy. This is, uh, this is like an incredible opportunity. So I am going to go ahead and uh, show that Tom is here. And I'm going to bring, are you, do you feel ready, Tom? I can see you. Okay, I don't hear you yet, but that's because I haven't put you on the call. So I'm just going to just go for it. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tom Barnett. Hello. Hi, Beth. Hi. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining me at the crack of dawn. You're dawn. Yeah, you're welcome. It's so good. And uh, so we have a nice little group already here. I, I came on a few minutes early just to chat with people. And it's lovely now that you're here. So for those of you who don't know Tom, I imagine you all do. It is a, uh, uh, a sincere honor and, and pleasure. Your work is so extensive. You are a true, in my eyes, a king hero for, for many reasons. One of them being that, uh, you know, just from everything I have have seen already, and I'd love to just share your bio because it gives so much information about you, but you're so well-rounded. You have knowledge in so many different arenas. And in a world that tells you to just focus on one thing, you're a great example of how you've, you've gained mastery in a, in a number of different areas. So Tom Barnett studied science and medicine for 10 years, devoted three years of his studies and research to mold, fungus, bacteria, protozoa, and viruses. How, how perfect for our time. His knowledge and understanding and opinions concerning them is consistent with numerous others that we've been hearing from uh, Andrew Kaufman, Thomas Cohen. Um, so Tom spent over a decade with chronic fatigue syndrome. Sorry to hear that, no doubt uh, it, you have got past it entirely. He's well-educated with a high intellect, doesn't, but that doesn't give him an understanding of human health. His experiences, including visions and learning methods, have given him a unique education. Tom spent multiple periods living without money and several stints living without a home. And because he's not driven or confined by money, it gives him a remarkably different perspective. His mind is free to question and explore paradoxes, and he doesn't have to support a thought process financially. That's beautiful. I, w I totally want to talk a little bit about, uh, about that as well, if we have time. 
and uh, he never charged a client unless he repeatedly proved a methodology that which is brilliant that's so much honor in the process that that the work has to work it's not just a transaction you you actually want this to to uh, make a difference for people and uh, he's in, he's worked with many past clients including professional athletes he, he is himself a, a former former uh, formal formerly or former trained athlete and uh, has worked with high-ranking CEOs as well as royalty. Wow, that's intense. And uh, outside of his work as a, as a researcher and educator, Tom is a keen surfer. I love that. Writes music and enjoys travel. We'll have to exchange some music if you're into it. I'll just go find yours. And uh, loves food, nature, martial arts, comedy, and meditation. So good. I might be a, a comedian in my next life. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Tom. It's so amazing to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Yeah, I'm glad we got connected. Me too. It was a magical occurrence. I won't say what that magic was, but uh, it's it's all magic these days. You know, you start to follow the thread of of purpose, and it it's just one ding, 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 ding after another. Is that your experience as well? Definitely, because when you're looking for things or you're open to them, it, it always seems like fortuitous or serendipitous events, but it's really because you're tuned into having that happen. Amen to that. Yeah, exactly. I love following threads. Just keep the thread, even if it's a thread, part of the thread you didn't want to show up, right? Because that always happens. It's like, oh, this is not my beautiful purpose. Uh, but it's but it is because it's that's what's happening. So if you follow it, you go through it and actually, you know, deal with whatever is there, then, then you got good things on the other side. So today we were, yeah, yeah, we were going to focus uh, mostly on the expertise that, that Tom has around the law. I'm, I'm particularly obsessed with it. I've been part of uh, several groups from a number of different angles. Uh, for example, I hosted Alphonse Fagiolo. Are you familiar with Alphonse as yeah. well? Yeah. Just yeah. recently, yeah. Love okay. his stuff. Amazing, amazing. And he was on with somebody that he got remedy, helped to get remedy. He was in the, the back end and uh, this this young guy just, uh, if you excuse my language, it kicked ass in, in, the, in the legal process. He also got he also got beat up, but not, he, he didn't provoke it in, in any way. It was a, they just didn't know who they were, were picking on and he was ready to really uh, give them a run for the money and it's not over. So how did you get into this in the first place what inspired you to look into the law well i think i always knew that there was something not right about people pushing us around and whenever i was younger i always saw the legal system as something that was pushing around just your everyday good people and protecting people that were doing wrong things and uh, when i was in high school i heard of a story where a robber a burglar uh, tried to break into somebody's house and when they broke into their house, they tripped over their coffee table and broke their leg and sued the people whose house it was. Uh -uh. And I said, well, I said, that's a joke, isn't it? Like, that's, that's a joke. But it wasn't. It was true. <laughs> somebody broke into somebody's house, broke their leg tripping over their coffee table and won a lawsuit against the householders. And I just thought, how can the legal system possibly be legit if that is a true story? And then... After that, you know, when I became, when I got out of my teens and started driving a car and voting and doing these things, and then, you know, the amount of oppression and fines and threats and, and uh, intimidation that goes along doing just everyday things, I, I knew it wasn't right. I knew, you know, because I always questioned things, even a parking fine I got when I was 19, 
and the amount on it, the dollar amount, and there was no sign. So how are they coming up with these numbers, for example, because it's just not, makes no sense. So from there, it was just a natural delving into that well to find answers because I always had a lot of questions. And so how did you start that journey? What, where, where, where did you turn when, when you found the interest inside yourself? Well, I think it was like you just said before, it was just a, um, those pings, like one thing led to another, or you'd talk to people about these things and then they say, oh, you should talk to this guy, or have you heard about, you know, such and such as a, as a theme or a, you know, have you heard of common law or have you heard of this and that and the other? And of course, you've never heard of any of these things the first time you come across it. So then you take some of those avenues and a lot of them uh, didn't eventuate, they didn't get me a result. But at the same time, I was learning a lot and I never let go of the, the idea that there was a remedy for um, what I saw as an oppressive and wrong system. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's a kind of faith, right? That there is there is something on the other side. I don't know what it is or how to get there, but I'm just going to go forward. That's that's the hero's journey. That's a big subject of the work that I do, by the way. And I just managed to find an interview specifically on the hero's journey. Uh, enjoyed most of that already. So it's so good. Um, where would you recommend? So for there's a lot of new people in, in this world right now. Uh, there's a lot of onboarding. You can see it. You know, groups have, in, in a week's time, they double in size all of a sudden, like the Dean Clifford and Amanda Vollmer's out there. And, you know, there's endless... Uh, both seen and unseen heroes in this world. So for, for people who are brand new to it, what would you suggest is a good entry point for them? Okay, well, everyone's probably going to tell you something different. So I'll just say that what I say, just take it as, a, a, I don't know, an idea. Don't say, don't think that this is the, the only way. Oh, I heard Alphonse say this and now he said that. Now I'm confused. Don't take it like that. Just take it as... Uh, from my own personal experience and what I see in others, what I think is actually probably not a common answer. I think the answer is to find a grounding, first of all, to the earth and then a, a, like a, a connection to a higher purpose, not just a higher purpose for yourself, but a higher, you know, something greater at play. Because there are so many times you are going to need to rely on either a connection to a higher power or the fact that, or and actually I should say your connection to the earth because I think that's what's missing in most people once you have that you can walk a very different path the reason I say that is that uh, a lot of people are learning processes and they're learning what words to say or they're learning what jurisdiction to put themselves in but you'll see across the board that some people doing that are getting results and other people doing what seems to be the exact same thing aren't getting the results. And to me, it always comes down to your state of being. It's who you are because if you're not that connected to yourself, first and foremost, it's very difficult, I think, to get a result when you're dealing with this kind of uh, entity, when you're, when you're dealing with things like uh, lawyers and police or uh, anyone in government departments or high-level or powerful corporations, you're not really dealing with people that just go, oh, you know what? I don't think that's fair on you. Let's just come to an agreement. You know, they generally don't do that off their own bat. So if you're not very, very clear in who you are and, and very connected to yourself, then the results will be, I think, perhaps sporadic until, not that you won't get results, I'm not saying that, but I think that the results come stronger when you have a greater connection to yourself. 
Mm -hmm. Amazing answer. I love that. It, because it, it would be easy to, oh, well, you know, get start with commerce, or you start with the equity, or you start blah, blah, blah. And, and this, this is the key. Because if you don't know who you are, you, you, have, no, you have no standing. And I think, I think the powers that ought not be will immediately recognize, like they can get you off your game so quickly because you don't hold true purpose, you don't hold true connection to the higher authority that already is. And, and then, you know, what, what's on the other side of that? What are we dealing with in, in this satanic world that, that uh, people won't even know it about themselves, but they're, they're actually trying to overthrow that power? Right when you when you deny that power, you're you're saying like no, it's it's me or something along those lines. Yeah, because it really is a remembering. You know, it's not we don't. I mean, yeah, we got to learn things. And to go further to your question, I think commerce is the next thing to get a grounding in. But really, we're born with this. Remember, so it's a matter of not so much learning all of this new stuff. It's just remembering who we are in the first place. And that negates a lot of what is put in front of us because that is an act. It's a charade, it's a show. And it's important not to buy into that narrative and become the character that you're supposed to be based on the world that they're trying to create because you're not that character and you don't have to play that game. So if you remember who you are in the first place, then you carry that power that they don't have. They're only pretending to have this kind of power. And I think that first and foremost is going to help you more on the journey as you play the game, because you do have to play the game in this world, but uh, only to the degree that you really need to, you know, it's, it's easier sometimes not to get sucked into certain things. And you do that by remembering who you are. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, I love your point about, you know, you can't just go and learn these lines and people have asked me, well, can we role play? And it's like, no. And, and this is a point I was trying to make earlier about training coaches. If you come in rehearsed, when when you're going to work with a client, for example, you're you're already dead in the water. You're not present with them. Like, yes, do your studies and, and, and memorize some basic techniques and all that kind of stuff. But once you get there in front of that person or in that legal situation, you don't know how it's going to go. You you need all your faculties to be present in that moment, and uh, so yeah, it's it's dicey. You want to like, what are the words? And I'm, I, I've taken notes at times. I couldn't write fast enough just to like, oh, I got to scribble all these words so I have these words, and it just is not exactly like that. Yeah, it's not the words, uh, but I do. One of the things that helped me along my journey was when I was learning from uh, Mark Patelic, who runs Solutions Empowerment. I was the words really did, uh, I second what you say, because I say that all the time. In my experience, the words actually did give me confidence. When he said something and I thought, ah, oh, well, that's what he's doing. But what I was doing, the confidence that I gained was in linking what he was saying to what the core meaning of it was. I wasn't just listening to the words, but the words did have a profound effect on me because they allowed me to link to what was really going on under the surface. And then I didn't need to remember his words, because by understanding what was going on under the surface, I can create my own words. And that's the key point is the creativity. That's what you were just talking about, Beth, is you don't want to go in with a rehearsed plan about anything because plans are going to change straight away as soon as you walk into a, you know, a situation. So it's the ability to think and to be creative and to feel into a situation and just never forget who you are. Because when you remember that, what comes out of your mouth will be generally the right thing and even if you said the wrong thing you're not going to lose confidence in yourself you know how people get up they do public speaking 
and then they forget a line or they said the wrong thing and all of a sudden they're just thrown off. They can't, they're like, oh, it's all going, it's all downhill from here. But if you don't have that rigid plan of what you're supposed to talk about, for example, and you mess up a word, well, it doesn't matter because you just come back to who you are and then you just fix it. It's just something else comes out and that's the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. That's amazing. You can hear how, again, your multiple interests, I can see your instrument behind you. And, and it's, that's a very musical analogy as well, right? Like if you're in, in on stage and, and you say the wrong or you sing the wrong line, nobody knows it unless they happen to know your song or what you're singing. And if you just keep going forward in a creative way and don't like, you know, oh, oops, I made a mistake. And then everybody has to be in that space of your mistake, which they wouldn't have been otherwise. You can just keep going forward. So that's beautiful. I love it. And uh, yeah, Cam just reflected, get, get the core of it, not the lines. And then, and then the lines, I agree. When I, when I hear the words, it does give me a lot of comfort. Like, okay, that's how you would actually say that. Cause I don't, I don't have any of that knowledge. That's not internal. I know who I am. And I've known that since my earliest possible memory, it's like you said, it's just a remembering to, to let go of whatever uh, I am not because it's all there. So very, very good. I love it. Yeah. Um, now, in our backend, we have been studying a lot of commerce law. We've got a, a an amazing mentor. I'll shout out to him. I won't say his name because he doesn't like to be public, but you know who you are. And, uh, and we're learning mostly commerce, how, how, to, how to walk forward in honor in commerce and, uh, and get through a lot of situations. Do you want to talk about what your take on the commerce is? And I've heard you say it too, that it's a good place to begin. You just said it again. Yeah, I, just, I think it's the best place to begin because it's the essence. I think it sets up everything else. So when you go into the other jurisdictions or other methods or whatever, I think the commerce sets up everything because it's it's basically a way of communicating to me. And if you are not communicating correctly, then I, you, I don't think you're going to have as much success in the other jurisdictions anyway, because commerce applies across the board, even when you're dealing with, you know, if you're dealing in equity, you're dealing in commerce. Even if you're dealing in trust or ecclesiastic laws, you're dealing with commerce still. So uh, it's really to me, again, about communicating because there are some simple kind of rules or guidelines within commerce that, as I said, apply across the board. And if you miss those, you're going to miss key elements of holding your position in the higher jurisdictions. So commerce is about, for example, maintaining, or first of all, establishing and then maintaining your role. And your role is as a creditor and not a debtor. And it's basically the difference is that a creditor asks questions and a debtor answers questions. Mm. So even if you were to answer a question, for example, in a courtroom, I've heard even uh, watching a couple of Alfonso's uh, videos and the guys were answering questions, but you can, you can answer a question and not have it either incriminate you or put yourself too much in that debtor role. There are ways that you can do that. So if you just, I guess, remember the simple uh, role of being a creditor, even if you've taken a question, you answer it, as long as you've deflected it the right way or you come back with a question or it's not an incriminating thing to say, then you are still maintaining the role that you need to. More importantly, I guess, Beth, what I talk to people about more often than not is not how to handle a courtroom or how to handle you know, some high-ranking uh, officer in something. It's how to deal with the everyday. 
because a lot of the successes that we have as individuals will come in the everyday. Somebody trying to scam you or somebody trying to, uh, you know, sell you something you don't particularly want to be sold or somebody trying to tell you you have to wear a mask or scan a QR code or get a vaccine or these sorts of things. These are, to me, where commerce holds a lot of value because you're not dealing, you know, it's a completely different ball game going into a courtroom as it is just your day-to-day dealing with people and dealing with life. That to me is what commerce is more about, is dealing with the everyday and dealing with life. Mm-hmm, that's amazing. And and can we talk about a few of those, right? Masks are, are a big deal here in Canada. We're, we're under threat of fine. We get a $300 fine if we're not wearing a mask in public. And, uh, and I'm, I'm on this precipice. I, I, didn't, I, I fought the good fight for a while and then I got threatened, uh, not by shopkeepers, but by shoppers who are right now, uh, I'm repeating myself, my guys know it, but uh, they, we have a snitch line. It's published. On the, on the website to go and call this number when somebody's not doing rights. I've, I've, uh, I know a story that a man attacked a young child for not wearing a mask, physically attacked him. And the police wouldn't do anything about it, even though it was on video. Mm. Right? So we're dealing in, in quite a, a strange situation. How would you navigate in, in that? So in that particular situation, so we both live in a Commonwealth country, uh, same as United States, uh, New Zealand and United Kingdom, but there are still definite definite differences, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like to give generic uh, things over something like this because it doesn't necessarily apply across the board in in every country. However, if that was the situation for me, I would be uh, I wouldn't be asking the police to do something. I would be proactive and I would be laying charges on the guy because you need to as a victim you need to lay charges on the individual and then things can happen. And it doesn't even need to involve the police. What it can do is you, well, you might need the police to get the details of the guy, which they have to provide if you file a formal complaint against somebody. But from then you can bring it into the private and under the rules of commerce, you can charge them or uh, whatever it is that you do. And then that can be taken to a civil tribunal or a court. And if they don't have their paperwork in place as per the rules of commerce, then it'll be an, an automatic decision in your favor because it's not about masks then, it's about assault. So it's, uh, th- this is what I mean about commerce. Understanding it is a good thing because you can form agreements, not necessarily contracts unless there's money involved because consideration is part of a, a contract, but an agreement. You can form an agreement with people all of the time because it's what the system does to us. If you've got a fine that's been, it's gone away or whatever, and then a debt collector calls you up 12 months later and says, hi, is that Tom Barnett? And if I go, yeah, and then you've already re, you've not a contract, but you've re-agreed, you've formed a new agreement with them. And the tax office will do that. Everybody in the system does that. So you can use that as well. And this is how I've had successes in uh, suing government departments and things in Australia is that I form agreements with people when they don't respond to notices or they don't do it the right way or they've ignored me in other ways when I've been attempting to settle things honorably or get a remedy or a result. So if somebody attacked a child, I mean, straight away, that's assault. I'm not sure why the police wouldn't be doing anything. But what you would do then is you would take it outside of the realm of having masks or COVID nonsense involved in anything, because the simple fact of the matter is that somebody laid their hands on somebody else. And an adult laying hands on a minor, there is no situation where that's acceptable under any circumstance 
So therefore, we're dealing with an assault. So that's where you go. And this is what some people I think might mix up is they might mix up the reasons, this, that, and the other. And that's not where you get a result. You get a result by focusing only on the point. And this is about, that's the beginning of holding position really, because I'll give a quick example. If you're in a courtroom or you're dealing with a police officer and you say something like, but what's the law with regarding this? You know, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And they say, well, you, they, they don't answer your question. Their job will be to derail you. Look, if you don't do this or you don't do that, then I'm going to arrest you. But they haven't answered your question. And so what most people do is they then go on to this new thread that the cop or whoever is uh, offering you. But you don't want to do that. You say, well, look, that's not the answer to my question. I ask what the law is. Now, again, second time, what is the law here that I'm supposedly breaking, whatever. That's holding your position. And people too easily fragment their energy and attention, and that's why they don't get results. So in the situation you're talking about, we need to not entertain the idea of COVID or masks at all, because what most people will do is they'll still try to argue the point about not wearing a mask, but that's no longer the point. It's not even in the same room. We need to focus on the fact that he put his hand on a kid and that's it. doesn't matter about masks. Soon as somebody brings up, he, but he wasn't wearing a mask, but you don't have to wear a mask. He's got an exemption. It's like, no, you're going down the wrong road. He put his hands on the kid. Hey, I didn't say anything about a mask. You put your hands on the kid, true or false? But he wasn't wearing a mask. No, no, no. I didn't talk about a mask. Don't bring up masks. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact you assaulted this child. And so you just continue to hammer the actual point. That's what lawyers do all of the time and judges more, uh, more to the point. So does that make sense as far as what we mm -hmm. need to focus on? That's how you would get a remedy. And if you weren't getting a remedy on the spot, for example, verbally, then you need to obtain who they are. And you would do that through freedom of information or police by filing a formal uh, complaint. Then you would obtain who that person is and you can notice them directly. It's Joe Bloggs, write to them and you say, Joe Bloggs, this is notice that you put ha your hands on a child. We intend to sue you for assault and battery and this, that and the other, breach of civil liberties, whatever else. Uh, you have this amount of time to respond, to explain your situation or come to some kind of agreement, or you can apologize or something like that. So you offer remedy. And then when they don't do that, then you can lay charges on them for either monetarily or whatever. You can take that paperwork to a court. Yours is all in place and theirs isn't. And therefore the administration will run it in your favor. Generally speaking, there's more to it than that, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a good point. And if we back it up to the spiritual that you were talking about at the beginning that, you know, consciousness is, in general, very fragmented. And, you know, that vast majority of people out there, how do they win an argument? By going sideways, getting you on a new point. Mm hmm right? Distracting away from the original thing. And it's really hard to to follow your own thread and to stay, like you, you, you've said, stand your position. And uh, so I, I think a lot of that work of, of deprogramming and, 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 and healing ourselves, it, it serves to to un, unsplit us. And, we, and you can stay focused. Like I'm, uh, what is the dog that, I guess dogs have a kind of lockjaw effect when they get their their teeth in and, and they can just lock in like I'm like that now <laughs> you know yeah, it's like yeah. oh, I know my point yeah yeah well you really need to uh, mark the guy I learned from he says that he says it's it's got to be a do or die you can't half-heartedly start noticing people or you know uh, non-consent to something it has to be you have to have everything behind it and you have to be willing to go all the way because these days they're not letting things just slip through like 
I, I keep saying, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you could put one notice into the local council or local government and then generally your fine or your whatever would go away. These days it's not, not even with three notices. They're going to ignore all of them because 20 years ago, only a few people were doing it. Now there's thousands upon thousands of people doing this. So they're not, they don't just let things slip. You really need to be holding your position uh, a lot harder these days and have that. It's like a dog. It's like a bone in your mouth. You know, you just, you can't let that bone go. And if you're not willing, if you know you're not willing to do that, I think it's best to not to waste your energy because it's in our country anyway. I'm not talking about other people's countries. In our country, it's pretty rare you're going to get a result if you don't have the resolve to follow it all the way through to the end. And you've got to be honest with yourself because that is actually a lot of work. And if you're not willing to do it or if it's actually easier to just pay a $400 fine because you know, you've got the means to do it. And you're like, well, you know, I don't really want to lose $400, but I also don't want to do 20 hours of work that it will take to follow up this over a course of three months or longer. Then just do that and don't feel bad about it. You just make your decision and run with it. Uh, still learn your skills and things. But yeah, actually, you know, Beth, it was funny when you were talking before about when people want to deflect an argument. If you're into comedy, you might know a Bill Burr and he has a part where he's talking about how women argue, how you'll if, if you're on the point, then it'll just be like all this other stuff that's coming at you that's not to do with the point and then uh, learning how not to get sucked into that. It's a really funny bit that he does, but it's exactly <laughs> how things do happen. Uh, you do pe That's how people argue or how they win arguments when you're talking about that way. So they need to deflect or run around the point and get people distracted from what they're actually, the core of what they're, you know, they're holding down. And that, I think, is a really big lesson for everybody is to make sure that you are not getting distracted because that's what people will try to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. And I love your point. Go the distance. That's my motto for 2021. Keep going. Right. It's never over. That's what I've seen in a lot of examples where they say it's over. This case is closed and and it's like, no, it's not. I didn't say it's over. I'm going to come back. And, uh, you know, the person that is it, is it true? The person that goes silent basically loses. Right. Yeah. Well, he who leaves the field of battle first loses. That's a maximum of law. There you go. We're built, built right into the maxims. Exactly. Wow. Um, so I heard you say that Australia is a conquered country. Is that different from the, the rest of the countries in the Commonwealth? Yeah, because there's no, there was no treaty and there's no, there was no declaration of war. And so essentially what it means is that we don't have, like, we don't have like a, a technically we don't have a Bill of Rights or anything like that. So what we have is essentially there is no court or judge or anyone in the land that can get between an agreement between two people. So if you and I have an agreement of such, then the only thing that a court can do is really administrate between who's, who's in the right based on the, the agreement or who's violated the agreement or what have you. So it's, it's one of the harshest countries, but it's also that rule alone. It can be very helpful when you use it to your advantage. So, um, yeah, if we just play with what we've got. If you talk to the indigenous and, and you, you tell them that they were conquered, you'd probably get a spear in the leg because they don't believe that they're conquered. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's good. Yeah, I'm not conquered. I, yeah. I remember I was visiting Costa Rica and uh, the taxi driver just said to me that, or was it anyway, I read this somewhere, but uh, that they didn't have enough people when they were conquered. There wasn't enough people to make a true slave society and it didn't become a, a true... Um, What's that word? Uh, colonial, 
state or what is the word I'm looking for, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. That it, it just didn't work without without this enough slaves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we, I mean, they actually didn't want the indigenous here. They used some as slaves, but they just, it's, um, they actually killed off as many as they could. Yeah, they used to give an acre of land, and acre is, what do you use, hectares or something in? We use Canada? acres as well. Acres, yeah. We use acres. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they would give one acre of land for every indigenous person that they killed. So when the people settled here, that's that's how they got land and became wealthy. They thought, I'll do that. And when you think about it, you just go like, how could you, even if somebody had brainwashed you into thinking that the indigenous were somehow not human or whatever, it's, I really don't understand how you could still do that. You know, just, uh, oh, we'll, we'll go on a killing spree and get us a bunch of land. It just doesn't make any sense. Different times maybe, but it still doesn't make any sense to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So if we back up a little bit towards um, the beginning of this whole pandemic thing, uh, you were the, one of the first ones I saw coming out and speaking out against. Thank you for that, by the way. As soon as there's a voice in the uh, in that silence, that vacuum, you know, I'm I'm holding my head. I had woke up a couple of years earlier to the corruption and the lies that are going on, <clears throat> and I, I was just stunned. Like, is is this real? Is this a virus? Is this a thing? What's happening here? And then I'm I'm coming to, and I'm realizing, yeah, this is this is this is it. This is the thing everybody's been talking about. And so, what was that moment for you when you decided you were going to start speaking out and and uh, telling the truth, and no doubt taking a few beatings along the way? Uh, it, well, it happened a long time ago, but. I've, I've basically always spoken out about this sort of stuff, but nobody ever listened. <laughs> so I never, yeah, it never went anywhere. But the only reason I made that video was because it was pretty clear to me what was happening, but, but everybody around me was, I, I thought everybody would see it that way, but obviously they, they didn't. And so even people that I thought were switched on and intelligent were just trying to share videos going, well, oh, look at this lady falling over in China and it's, and then look at this, look at that. And I'm just going, well, it, it's probably not a, can't be a virus. And then it also, you can't spread a virus anyway. So they're going, what if it comes to Australia? And they're buying up like armfuls of toilet paper and baked beans and stuff. And I'm going, what are you guys doing? Like, this, this is just ridiculous. And then I thought it was funny. I thought it was a big joke. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden they announce over the news or something that coronavirus has grown wings and made its way to Australia and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just going, uh, this, this won't go very far. This is just joke again and then all of a sudden the whole country is just stripped supermarkets of shells and stuff and i'm just going oh no this is uh this is actually happening now this is actually happening so i then i thought well i'm very impatient usually i've got a lot more patience since it started actually because like i said i've been saying this stuff for a long time and nobody listens so then i just thought, ah whatever and then i couldn't be bothered having this conversation one-on-one -on -one with each person that wanted to bring it up so i was just like you know what i'll just make a video and i'll post it to the 20 people that i know that were uh being a bit silly and then yeah then i woke up the next day and then everybody in the world pretty much had seen that video so i don't get any uh um beatings or anything because i i'm very i don't want to say i don't want to put it the wrong way but i'm i'm very comfortable in what I know and who I am. So if anybody's trying to say anything to the contrary, I don't really care. I don't hear it. I don't. I don't go on to my videos, and I do now. Like on YouTube, I I go through people's comments and answer them. But I mean, on that original video, I didn't go back to any of the comments or anything. And um, be, because I already know, if you've done this for a while, you see a lot of patterns, and you see 
that there are certain people who are going to uh, take it on board straight away because they were the ones that or already knew. And I guess I'd never reached those people. I just thought everybody was brainwashed. But it turns out there's millions of people who weren't brainwashed. They knew it was a fake too, a hoax. And But they just, you know, they didn't have a means or way in which to express that. And you didn't just see it on their face in the street. So you didn't really know who they were. And uh, so through this whole experience, I guess it's been great for me in particular because I've gained a lot more faith in the amount of people who are actually awake and, and are willing to look at things from a common sense perspective and to stand on their own two feet, which is amazing. And so for me, really, you know, uh, I've never got any, you know, blowback from it because people have tried. I was national news for a while, but it just like it's just I don't care because it's the news. Like, why would I care what the news says? It's like... It's you know what I mean. So there's a there's a very much um, there's nothing that will get through because it's just it's that machine that's trying to do stuff, and I just don't care. I don't entertain that at all. And then if anybody is genuinely upset, then it's like I still don't feel any offense to that. I just feel a bit of compassion because like well they're they're kind of stewing in their own juices, and maybe they'll get over their own juices one day, and that's about it. So I never have any personal attack or anything. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That's so good. Uh, is there anybody that triggered you? Like, I, I lost most of my family over this. <clears throat> as soon as I started speaking out, I became the pariah of the family. I've been more or less uh, kicked out. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm just, they don't contact me anymore. I'm not invited yeah. to this and that. And they're scared of me. They're scared of mm -hmm. that I'm a, I'm a sickness coming their way. So <clears throat> yeah, any of that yeah, kind well, of stuff? No, not for me, because I've been that since I was 12 or something, you know, I've been that the black sheep. So it's, uh, it's no different to me. Uh, my family were initially, actually not my family, just my mum, <laughs> because apparently I think like a few days after I'd released the video, I'd been shot. Apparently there was, uh, it, it was news going around that I'd been taken out for making that video. And then of course that got back to my mum somehow and then she's freaking out and then she's pleading with me to not make videos. And I'm just like, I'm not, I don't live in your world of fear and stuff. It's just, you know, so, uh, yeah, look, it's happened to a lot of people, Beth. A lot of people have lost friends and family over this. And uh, there's there's an element of on both sides. So for me, this is easy because I've been like this for 30 years. You know, for other people, mm -hmm. it's only been a couple of years that they've woken up to what the world really is and what's going on. There's all this Bill Gates stuff and there's this and there's pedophiles and there's whatever else. And But that's not news to some people. And you know how you've been in some kind of world for a long time? You don't have a, oh my God, you've got a, it's like, there's, it's not like a erratic or excited energy. It's just like, yeah, this is just how it is. So when you're communicating with people, it's, it's uh, difficult to not put them offside if you just don't have a real calmness about it because there is an element, an underlying element of, oh shit, behind like, oh no, oh my God. And that's what will be communicated and that people pick up on that. Same as if you go to pat a dog, even if it's an aggressive dog, if they can sense anything, even without you saying anything, they might bark at you. But if you don't have, if you're very calm and sure with the dog, even if it's a Rottweiler or a whatever, you know, they'll, they'll lick you and let you pat them. So uh, I think that there's that element uh, going on when people have broken up friendships and things. The other element to that, though, is that everything can come around. Uh, everything can be forgivable. And realistically, what this has done is separated adults from children. So even if somebody's your grandfather or something, they can still be have that element of a child because they, uh, in the face of somebody who is actually being responsible for themselves, they're unwilling to do that. 
So there is also a responsibility in that dynamic where if you are the elder in that situation, even if you're not the biological elder, there is a responsibility of, I think, compassion and forgiveness for them to, um, you know, to still hold them in a light of it's okay that you're going through this and, uh, but you're not ostracized from me. You know, I'm not cutting you off because of this. Uh, and then there's an element there of they'll, they can come back, you know, uh, at some point in time because it'll come out at some stage or another. Well, I'd like to say it's going to come out at some stage or another that it was obviously a big fake, but then people still believe that swine flu was a real thing and avian flu and uh, the uh, Spanish flu and everything else. And it's like, what do you what do you mean? You know, those were all fakes too. You can see the same patterns. And But there are still millions of people today who are taking the uh, corona uh, mRNA shot because they haven't figured out that all these previous hoaxes were just, you know, planned hoaxes. So we'll see, I guess, but I guess that was a big ramble, but I guess the key point is that if you hold that sense of it's all okay and that you don't hold anything against them, even though it can hurt, I get that. If, if family members especially have just cut you off, it can be very easy to just go, oh, well, you know, screw you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you cut me out and I'm the one that was, I know I'm right. And then, uh, you know, same thing with friends. It's very easy to be hurt by that. And I understand that. But there is an element of if you are on this journey or you've taken the red pill, for example, then with that comes a responsibility to be an adult about it and just go, okay, like that's hurtful. But I understand, I can see it from your point of view. If you are under the impression that I'm somehow harmful or a danger to you and society and everything else, I get that you would feel this way but I still hold compassion and forgiveness for you for feeling that way. That's beautiful. I love that. It's it's the ultimate because then you get to be free in that situation. And uh, it was a lot of work for me, but, but I noticed also it wasn't anything actually particularly unique. It was just exaggerated, right? It, it was something that was already there. So I couldn't even say, oh yeah, this, this pandemic caused everything and all that. It was just a deeper layer of, of working through those relationships. So that's a really, really great answer. Uh, and I like the theme because this brings us back to law as well of growing up, right? That uh, especially in Canada, where everything is kind of appears to be handled for us. And if we ever have a, a breakdown of some kind, whether it's with your health or finances or whatever it is, it, that, that the government is just there to help you smooth it all over and uh, you're, you're taken care of. Like we literally have this consciousness here. I'm not sure if it's the same for you in Australia, but yeah. Okay, yeah, so it couldn't be further, of course, from the truth. And when you when you see the flip side, like, oh, wow, they're not only are they not going to help me, they're trying to kill me. Okay, good, new paradigm. Yeah. And uh, so what do you what do you feel like are the steps to that growing up? Obviously, some education is part of it. But what do you what do you think that means? There are lo- means- lo- yeah, sorry. Well, it really means, first of all, having some faith, because I think people in that situation, if you strip it away, if you strip away everything else, it comes down to the fact that they don't have any faith in themselves and they don't have any faith in their higher purpose or anything like that because that's the only reason you would want to give your power away to a governing body because it's like a child sucking on the teeth. It's like I can't feed myself. I can't do anything for myself. You put that teeth in my mouth. That's what the government is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, it's about uh, needing to learn and grow and but that has to happen at a rate that, you know, I really don't believe that you can just say to people, just snap, slap, snap out of it. You slap them across the face, snap out of it, pull your socks up, grow up and start feeding yourself because people aren't ready for that. So I think 
it really there has to be an education there has to be a process by which people can start to get that a bit more softly because i'll ask you in a minute how it happened for you but for most people it happened i think because of something big sometimes they lost their health or they lost a partner or something big happened they had a car crash it's usually something big woke them up some something where they weren't they weren't able to still operate in the same paradigm anymore other people come to it more uh, softly and organically because they naturally grew to that point. But for most people, it's like a shock. Something shocked them out of it. So for uh, those people, they don't have a choice anymore. It's just like, okay, well, I'm here now and I'm going to sort things out. But for the vast majority, I think that they need to be woken up gently. And in that regard, they need something there to step on. So I call it pulling the rug out from under people. I don't think you can pull the rug out from under people without there being a different pillar of some sort underneath for them to stand on. So they're not just floating around in, in you know, in the middle of the air and they, they're freaking out. So that comes in the form of education. And so, you know, you don't need a government for this because this is what you can do instead. Uh, food doesn't actually come from a supermarket. It comes from here. This is how food grows. You know, things like that. How to support yourself, how to navigate for yourself, you know. Oh, we need laws and we need this to protect ourselves. It's like those laws don't actually protect you. They protect the corporations. But here, here's how to write a notice. This is how commerce works. Now you can protect yourself in a legal sense. You know, so it's these little things at a time where if you're putting these pillars under people's feet, then they have something to stand on and something to walk towards being a self-realized and a self-responsible man or a woman. So for me, it's education. But for you, Beth, what was it for you? You said it was relatively recent. Was it? The corona thing or did something else happen yeah something else happened like i lost both my parents in in a couple of years and had a client come through my door who had been a victim of satanic ritual abuse and and traffic and was trafficked and so the the three combined you know my, my world fell apart and uh luckily i had someone in my zone who was already in the know and she was dripping me uh material in the process and uh, so you know i i let myself completely fall apart at that point it had been a long ongoing i've had inciting incidents my whole life i'm a cancer survivor so 20 years ago i almost died that was one layer one level but uh, but really waking up to the the economic and the political situation at hand that we're dealing with that was that was only about five years ago. So yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's common you know that there's usually like a hero's journey. There's an inciting incident, and a lot of the time it's a shock. It's a it's a loss of something. And I like the way you said it because it really is like shedding skin. It's like many animals shed their skin, and it is like that. And you have to be at home in the new skin before you can really operate. Mm -hmm. And I love your point about, uh, you know, it's really the rebel without a cause. I work in archetypes, by the way, that that would just crash down something with no regard for like, is there something there underneath the, for them? Is there some, you know, do you have a plan for these people when you pull the rug out from underneath them? Because that's actually a violence against them to send them off. And, and unless they're ready and they're coming to you and they're asking you questions and they're prepared to, to go through the answers, then then uh, if somebody lets you do that, it's, it's a very sad kind of thing. So I got a, I got a cat in yeah. the scene. Yeah. That's right. It is. And it's, uh, it's uh, also, I think there's a lot of common sense and it's, it's that act of staying calm. You know how you could be in a room and people are freaking out. And as soon as one guy or girl is just sitting calmly and they're like, no, everything's okay. Then it can have a ripple effect where other people are like, oh, what's okay. Well, hang on. Um, maybe everything's all right. You know, they, they stop freaking out so much. And so if I'm in a room with people or let's say it's my family or friends or whatever, and they were saying, oh, well, 
you're a danger, you're this, that, you can't come around anymore, but I'm with them at the time, for example. You know, it's like one of those things where people are freaking out about something. You say, well, just, just pause for a second. It's like, is anything happening right now? You know, do, are, we in imminent, in, are we in imminent danger? Okay, we're not in imminent danger. You know, is there the fires outside? Is the sky falling in? Your tidal wave coming, you know? No, okay, we're not in imminent danger. Okay, so we can calm down one level at least. And they say, so, yeah, do I appear to be unhealthy to you? Is there something that is like a def- an imminent threat to you right now? They go, well, you're all this, that, and the other. No, 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 I didn't ask about that. I said, right now, and I, am I an imminent threat to you right now? Is there a reason for you to be not calm? And then they might come down another level. Okay, no, that's, and so you can kind of like, bring down bring things down a few levels at a time to the point where they can actually admit that you're not actually any harm to them you're not you're not irrational and and any or anything like that and it's like well can you catch health off somebody you know can i make you healthier by being healthy it's like no okay well and i'm not sick right so how am i going to make you sick if i can't make you healthy and you know just just like little things just little things that might just they might not hear it. They'll just, as soon as somebody hears anything that goes against their ingrained belief systems, they're going to go, oh, well, that's not right. But that's not the point. The point is to plant seeds sometimes and, and then they can realize that maybe they've been a bit irrational about, about things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to really come to the conclusion that the, um, if somebody is going to wake up, it's because they already decided for themselves that they're going to wake up and they'll use me as a conduit for that. So that's happened a few times where I'm present at that moment, but I had no illusion that I was waking them up. They were doing that job. And uh, so if somebody is, we call it a sleep, but really I think they're traumatized right? They're traumatized by the fear. They've, they've taken it all in. It's, it's not, there's a lot of really intelligent people, uh, you know, high beings that have done a lot of work on themselves and, and they're still, they still got that level of trauma that's there. It's utterly blinding. And, uh, you know, so I thought, finally, after months of trying to wake people up to actually trying to do that job, thinking like, no, well, no, we have to. Now it's, it's, it's a different world because I was all uh, able to live and let live before this thing. And all of a sudden I'm not. So what the heck is that? And came around to the same conclusion. It's like, I'm, and my job is not to wake other people up. My job is to wake myself up. And there's yeah. always a new place to go with that. And that makes me more and more available to others if, if they need what I have. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is for me as well, because it's that there's everybody can grow deeper into themselves. And that's the paradox. People think, oh, I've got to get out and I've got to wake people up and do this and say that or make videos or whatever. But it's not because the more you go into yourself and clean that out, the more you are like a a beacon or a lighthouse to others, because without even speaking your words, you can just be out there amongst people. And they're like, there's something about Beth or there's something about this guy or that guy. And they're just like, I feel there's something they can't even register it consciously maybe but there's something that just indicates to them that things are okay but if you haven't cleaned that out yet and you're coming from your own trauma and you're just blah 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 you've got to do this you got to wake up bill gates is this and this is that and that vaccines are evil it's that nobody's going to listen to that unless they're already on board and they go yeah yeah i know that go you and it's like but they're already on side so you don't need to do that so i i really do believe that it's a matter of uh getting into yourself first and foremost and then through that journey, you actually affect more change. It's that paradox. It's like you think you got to go out here and do more, but you really got to go in here and do more. And mm. then that has more of an effect. 
Amazing. Amazing. I love that. It's so good. What do you think of protesting, by the way? There's so much debate on, you know, people getting out and uh, hitting the streets. And I'm, I'm going to hit the streets next week. Just go support uh, some yeah. very good good people as they speak. But what's your take on that? Yeah, well, so there's this World Ride uh, Freedom whatever thing on the 20th. And I'm going to go to that. And, That's the one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But the only reason I'm going is to show that there is strength in numbers that for those people that are still maybe out there going, oh, am I alone? Am I the only one that thinks that we shouldn't wear masks or get a vaccine? Then that's the only reason I'm going. I'm not going to protest because I don't do protests for the reasons that I mean, well, you alluded to. So the reasons for me are first and foremost, the only reason you're going to well, actually, <laughs> First and foremost, I just don't like crowds. I'm one of those people that's, uh, you, you know, like introverted kind of uh, sensitive things and don't like being a, amongst a whole group of people like that. And I'm not into making a lot of noise either. Like when people start banging things together and like yelling at the sky and stuff, I'm like, why are you yelling at the sky? Like to me, it's just that that just shows that they don't have a connection to the, the earth and the above, because if they did, they'd just be a very calm and lasered resonance. They wouldn't be like, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop that. Everybody's got to stop everything. Uh, that to me comes from the childlike state. And it's fine though, because if that's where people are at, if if that is what they can do to affect some change, they should absolutely do that. But there are people who are a bit beyond that, where that's not what they can do. They can do other things. And then I think those people should be doing those other things because it feels very unnatural to go and protest anything. The other element of it is that generally they're protesting against the government or vaccine makers or this, that, and the other. And what you're doing there is you're actually giving the power to them that they don't have. It's like uh, they're only acting in assuming that power. And the more you go and ask them to not do it, it's like you're actually giving them the power that they don't have. Uh, to me, it's, it's a backwards thing. It works in some cases. Let's say someone is coming onto some uh, national park land and they're trying to bulldoze it to put in like some new Masonic temple or something to protest against that is the right thing to do because you need people power there. You need to say, you're not coming in here, you chain yourself to a tree or whatever like that works. And that has stopped a lot of uh, bad things happening, but just generally going into the street and going, you suck government, you suck. And this, that, and the other, it's just kind of they don't have any power in the first place. You're actually by asking them not to do something or demanding they do something else, you're giving them the power that they don't have. So uh, in our country, for example, the smarter thing to do would be to go and visit all of the uh, indigenous elders in, in each region and say, well, we'd like a treaty with you. And we recognize you as the original custodians of the land and not we don't recognize the government. We recognize you. And another level above that is to recognize yourself recognize yourself as a as a sovereign on earth where you you have in, inalienable rights and you are an adult and you can make the right decisions for yourself to look after the place and look after your own body and so that to me is why that's why i don't really i don't like protests but i do believe they have a place because like i said if you don't you don't have a lot of legal ability, for example, to write notices or to sue somebody or whatever, or you don't have that um, that ability yet to find that that deeper connection. Well, then that's the where the protest has its place. And so, yeah, it's kind of a mixed answer, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. There, there is uh, something about following your own strengths that you that you already have. So, if if your if your natural inclination is to to gather people and to speak on a megaphone and you know because you do. 
build you build energy, you build confidence, you build this like, oh, so and so's here and so and so's here. I'm not alone in the world. And it has its place. We all have our have our role, but I totally get what you're saying. If you're if you're trying to bully the government, then then you have granted them all the power. It's a perfect it's a perfect conclusion to see or you know, I totally agree with what you're saying there. But don't beg the government for anything that's there that's yeah. that's just positioning yourself in under them. Yeah, so, only slaves mm -hmm. beg for benefits and privileges. Right, right, exactly, exactly. What do you what do you think about rights and privileges? Since you just said that, that what what actually are they? We t we say them all the time, and I was like a little baby at the beginning of the pandemic, like you know, fight for your rights and privileges or your free rights and freedoms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What are what actually are they? Uh, yes, yeah, so that's one of the things is fighting for your rights is like a. Uh, it's kind of if you say it that way it's it's like you're trying to get them but you already have them so what you've got to do is just not give them away that's the difference i don't think we fight for rights so the difference is that when we're born into the into the world we're born with inherent rights and they can't be taken away we can give them away but they can't be taken from us without our consent um, benefits and privileges are what are afforded to persons or slaves or wards of the state. That's like you can drive here if you want. You can get on a plane and go here. Or you can get some medic, some welfare, or you can get, you know, we'll let you do these things. But a a man or a woman who's born with inherent rights just can has freedom to travel, has freedom to conduct business, has freedom to uh, make themselves a shelter. Um, has they just have freedoms they have rights and freedoms and they can't be taken away so the difference is between benefits and privileges and rights is essentially the jurisdiction or the uh yeah the world that you live in the public or the private so the public being the world of uh statutes and codes and legislations and acts and all that and the private being the world of laws and those laws are really only two which is love thy neighbor and love thy creator and everything that stems mm. from that. So if you're doing those two things, you're not going to go and blow up part of the earth or you're not going to, you know, mine it for gold and you're not going to go and punch your neighbor in the face and steal his wife or his, uh, his motorbike or whatever. You know, you're just, you're not going to do those things because you'll love thy neighbor and you'll love thy creator. You won't cause harm or loss. And then everything else, the millions upon millions of statutes, acts and codes and legislations, those are all in the realm of the public and they only apply to wards of the state or slaves and they are only as a threat to take away benefits and privileges if you go against or you you get a um, you violate one of those codes, act statutes, or legislations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There you go. And it, it actually will appear that the rights that you have that if you don't exercise them, it's like you don't have them, right? Because they're not going to come along and remind us of our God-given rights or uh, you know all of that responsibility that we hold actually as as. Uh, having those rights. Yeah, that, that's the old expression. If you don't know your rights, you don't have any because if you don't know what they are, um, it's like, you know, there's there's stories of people who've got these amazing bargains online for something. They just go, this, this guy sold me a Stradivarius violin for 20 bucks. He didn't know what he had. You know, that's worth 200 grand or $2 million. You know, it's like, it's that kind of thing. Sometimes we don't know what we have. And so it's easy for others to take them from us or to not exercise them. You know, if you don't know you have a certain power, you know, if you don't know that you could, uh, you know, I don't know, set things on fire with your hand just by like kids doing movies and that, if you don't know you have that power, you'll never use it. So it is important to, to know this and that's where the education comes in. That's what I was talking about before, where in order to start to affect your own governance on yourself, 
then you first of all need to know what you have. And that's what the education is because most people just assume that they have, well, we want our rights and we want this and that. But it's like you are, it's a misunderstanding. They're really saying we want our benefits and privileges because they don't know the difference between rights and benefits and privileges. So the government says, great, well, you're asking us for that first and foremost, which is putting yourself in the position of being a ward of the state. And then you're really asking for benefits and privileges, you're not even asking for rights because you don't know the difference. So then they're winning regardless of whether people are asking for them or not. So then it has to come down to finding the right people. And uh, like you and I both have done on our journeys. And also though, the other part of that is that not ignoring the signs when they're there, because who honestly has not heard that vaccines can cause damage? Or who honestly has not heard that electromagnetic radiation can cause harm? But people hear it, but then they just go, nah, nah, that can't be right. Or I listened to a scientist on the news and he told me it was fine, so therefore it's all okay. I don't have to think at all. And so that's like, you know, I don't think I don't think people in the greater population have not learned ever the difference between a right and a benefit and a privilege. I think it's probably gone in one ear and out the other, and they haven't had some event or catalysts by which to attach that to to actually send it home and like anything like you might have heard of organic food 20 years ago but until there's the event of having to go through a major health crisis it's like organic food this pesticides chemicals ah, whatever you know but as soon as there's a catalyst whoa hang on shit, i could die here it's like okay well now what's this stuff about organic food again you know, then you start to actually take notice. But I, generally, there has to be a catalyst. But no one can say that they've never heard of some of these things because you, you, I don't believe it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a great point about the catalyst. And, uh, you know, going through my cancer journey, which was a huge catalyst, obviously, it made me turn my life inside out and really gain a lot of knowledge and why am I dying and every, I'm doing everything right. <clears throat> and then I... I survived my journey and then I watched a lot of other people go through similar things like the knock them down diagnosis or the big loss or something like that and I thought oh great now they're going to you know wake up or or whatever and it's like no that's still even though they had the catalyst it didn't it didn't happen for them right so if, what's what's your take on that what is the difference between the person who uses that as a catalyst and the person who just goes through the thing I think they're just not ready. It's the, there has to be, uh, I'll, I'll answer that a bit more deeply in a second. There's, that's what they highlighted in the matrix. Remembering that every major movie has a specific message that the elite are offering as a, as some kind of tacit agreement or whatever to the public. That's their form of notice. So the red pill, blue pill, blue pill uh, analogy is exactly what it is. You know, you can know all of these things, but you can also willingly choose not to accept them and take the blue pill. Or you take responsibility and take the red pill. That's essentially what it comes down to. You know, this is gonna, this is happening to you, your heart's failing. If you don't give up smoking and alcohol, you're gonna be dead in three months. And they're like, eh, too hard for me to give that up. I'm just gonna keep smoking and drinking. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's not a wrong decision, by the way, because they are consciously choosing to be part of that experience. And in, in that doing, that they are taking responsibility for what happens. They, they are willingly going into that experience, which is fine. So when people have been given the option, then I don't think that there's a wrong decision. You know, I used to work with a lot of people and then a lot of people ended up just sort of, you know, friends find out about stuff and I dealt with people with various chronic illnesses. And then they'd say, you know, is there anything I can do about this? And I'd say, yeah, there is. You can do this and then you can do this. And it's usually two simple things and they just go like, 
you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't. It's easy for me to go to the hospital once every couple of months and get my lungs pumped or to get, you know, a shot of something. And it's like, uh, that's actually easier for me. And I just say, you know what? Full respect because because you're actually taking responsibility for that. You're, you know what the consequences are. You know what can be done and you're choosing that. That's fine because what they're not doing is lying to themselves. What I don't like, or I think what you're getting at, is when people lie to themselves, they go, you tell them what they can do and then just go, nah, but that's too hard. Or no, I couldn't do that. Not I won't, I couldn't do that. You're making excuses and lying to themselves. That's when it's not the right thing. But when they just go, I accept that, but I actually choose this, which is what the guy in the matrix does, then that's where there is that you're you're letting go of, uh, well, you're actually accepting full responsibility. So beyond that, in my experience, what I've come to find anyway is that by observing people since I was a kid, because I've always been a little bit of an outlier and just observing things like this just doesn't seem right. Like, how does this work? And then really looking at it to see how it works. And I've found that I've met the same people over and over. It's like it's like there's this character that's designed and there's it has different faces, but it's I'm like, this, I've met this guy so many times. It's the same guy or that's the same girl or whatever. It's like the same people. And so it seems to me that there's only like a certain number of characters in this game and they're all being played out with different faces. And there are some people which I've come to find other people have had this theory too and they call them non-NPCs, like non-player characters or something. They're not really meant to ever wake up. They're meant to be like a, a beacon for us to be able to figure other things out about the world and about ourselves and then to not waste energy on people like that. So there's the evil, there's the good, there's the non-players, there's the ones in between, there's all these different characters. And so, uh, you know, for, the, for those that, why do some people just even give, being given a catalyst, why do they not wake up? I actually think it's because they're not supposed to. And, mm. um, and they're supposed to be a catalyst for us. Mm. So the catalyst event for them didn't have an effect, but we see that and they go, wow, they didn't decide to choose it. So that allows us to get a whole different perspective for ourselves. So they're actually our teachers more than why aren't they doing it? It's more what we get as from that experience as well. That's exactly how it was. Because I, I naively thought, oh, everybody just needs a crisis and, and they'll, they'll wake up. But uh, seeing that's like, oh, no, that's a different, that's a different result. And I absolutely love your point because when somebody goes from I can't to I won't, they just made a major energy shift. That's way higher. I won't is, is a seriously empowered, that's a, a conscious decision, even if it's the, the quote-unquote wrong choice, whatever that exactly means. But uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's amazing. I think it's Step commerce it. too, you know, Beth, because that's, it's an offer. You know, having a catalyst is an offer, like in commerce. It's like mm. a higher power is giving you an offer and you have the ability to consent or non-consent to the offer. So it's still, it still offers, it still comes under commerce. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about the whole, whole phenomenon of conditional acceptance, which is, uh, you know, for example, the in power group, if you're familiar with Cal Washington, that's, that's yep. his whole strategy. And I've heard you say different things about it. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so, well, conditional acceptance, just by its definition, is that you're being given an offer of some kind, like here's a fine. Would you like to pay a fine? Would you like to pay your taxes? Would you like to go to jail? Would you like to uh, take a vaccine? All sounds good. Like yeah, would you like to get a mask to get on an airplane or whatever or cross a border? And so um, those are all offers in the world of commerce. So what we can do is in the world of commerce, we can fully accept that offer and say, sure, I'll take a mask, a vaccine, and I'll, uh, you can have half of my income. And that's a full acceptance, which is honorable in commerce. You could also, uh, well, I'll get to conditional acceptance last. You could completely just argue against that 
and um, say no. And that's dishonorable in commerce is to argue. And what's also dishonorable is to remain silent. Hey, you can get a vaccine and a mask and give away half your income. And if you just, if you don't, don't say anything or voice any form of consent or non-consent, then you acquiesce by silence. And that means you agree. You agree by not, by not having a voice. If you don't have your own voice, well, I'll have it for you and I'll tell you what you're going to do. So that's how silence works. So the other way that's, which is dishonorable in the world of commerce. So the other honorable way is to conditionally accept. You can say, well, look, I'll wear a mask and take, take a vaccine and give you half my income upon these conditions. And you can state your own conditions. They're completely up to you to state. There's no rules with that. You could say on the condition that you stand on your head and bark like a monk, bark like a dog or something. Like it could be anything. So generally it's making them hold their position on why they're asking you to do it. Well, I'll do that on the condition that you can show me where you have an authority to take my income and to make me wear a mask or get a vaccine. Also on the condition that you will be held personally liable for any harm or loss or damages that come to me as a result of entering into this agreement with you. You know, those kinds of things. And then if they don't agree to those, well, then there's no agreement. There's Therefore, whatever they ask you to do does not stand. They're admitting that you don't need to do those things because they were an offer in the first place. So that's what a conditional acceptance is, is saying, I'm happy to do what you're asking as long as you can meet these conditions. If you can't meet the conditions, then there's no agreement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so is there a time to employ the conditional acceptance and a time uh, not to use that? Yeah, well, yeah, there is because it's, it's situation dependent, absolutely. So. It depends on a few things, really, uh, how much time do you have? If there's not time to go through a conditional acceptance because because that falls into the noticing category, it needs to be done three, you need to give them three opportunities to accept your conditions. Uh, so time is a factor. Um, what else? You know, if it's, if it's on the street, you're dealing with a police officer or something like that, then it needs to be done verbally, obviously, and not in writing. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that that could go ahead and then but remembering that just saying no outside of the world of commerce is a very important uh skill to have so if somebody says to you so you got to wear a mask you just go no you could you can do that but what you don't want to do is argue arguing is where dishonor is but just mm. saying no technically is not dishonorable now mm. i've got to say that with a bit of a you, you've got to take that and apply it very, very specifically because you don't want to get into the habit of just saying no to everything because you may fall into the realm of dishonor and then not be able to voice non-consent for things. So um, that's where I'm just highlighting that there is a there are times when you would just say no to something, absolutely, as opposed to, you know, if somebody's going, oh, we're going to walk you into a gas chamber. Well, I'll conditionally accept that on those. It's like, I just say no, right. you know, no, that's not happening. Because mm -hmm. I'm still voicing, I'm not being silent or anything. I just say no. So that's mm -hmm. when you know that's when I would use something different. It's situation dependent. Okay, so it's arguing that would bring you into dishonor, but the but the no itself is a, a good one. No was my first word. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that one down. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So I do not consent. Right, like that's the same thing. And, uh, and then, and then, and then w what is that slippery slope where people go into dishonor and get into conflict? They're, they're, what, yeah. what do you think is happening? Well, generally they get drawn into it and generally it's because they're not secure enough. That very first point that we made when we started this conversation was that you need to be grounded and you need to have a connection.
And if you don't have that, it's very easy to be drawn into conflict for the energy to rise and for you to just start losing your, your sense of center and sense of purpose. If you have that, it's very, very difficult to be drawn out of it, even if the situation gets heated or it gets heated around you. It's very difficult and actually impossible in some cases to be drawn into that. So that's why people fall into dishonor is they get goaded into being dishonorable, like some threat. And so a letter comes back and it says, well, look, we don't we don't recognize anything you just wrote. And if you don't respond, we're going to send a sheriff around and you'll be arrested or we're going to cut off your this or we're going to blacklist you from that. And people go, oh, no, oh, shit. It's like a threat. And they just go, oh, no. And then they're not they can't hold their center anymore. Now they've been instigated into they're just going to write back. No, you can't do that. You can't do this. Oh, you, and they just do this and they can't even uh, they can't get words out even so they um that's being led into dishonor because you you weren't able to discern what actually was written for example or what actually was said to you i just shared a video to facebook uh it's on my facebook page uh i'll see if i can send you the link afterwards because it was this new zealand lady who was in a park she's got her kid in a park um like in a playground equipment there's two police officers a man and a woman and she holds her position so well. It's ridiculous. She's, I would imagine she's relatively new to it. And this is the beauty of it is she's just remembered the key points. Now, what some people do is they want to learn too many things. They want to learn uh, what the, what's the law that I'm supposed to quote? What's the act? And the, the, is it 94H section 3.2? It's like they want to know, but you don't need to know that. You only need to hold your position and make them do it. And she does this brilliantly. So for those that haven't seen it, I'll just quickly summarize it. The man is being intimidated. He comes, he walks right up to her. So she says, hey, can you get away from me? Get, get some distance, right? What they do. And she says, mm-hmm. don't you have to be more, isn't there a two meter rule? And, she, and he's like, he has to admit that there is. He walks away from me. He walks up on her again. He's like, you're intimidating me. Remembering that intimidation is a threat tactic and it's assault. If somebody who is an officer like that, must make you feel safe if they're threatening you they're breaching their own codes of conduct that's a that's an offense they can be charged with that and she's holding them accountable for all of this gets to the stage where they're asking her for a driver's license and id and she just says why are you asking me that you still haven't told me what law i'm supposedly breaching she holds a position they end up walking off and she walks after them saying this is what your new zealand police are doing they're threatening and intimidating me and they won't tell me what law I've supposedly broken. This guy won't even give me his name and just keeps And that's what you've got to do. That's how you hold your position and not get drawn into conflict because they were trying to draw her into a conflict to take her out of the, where she was coming from. And then she would have argued. If she had started arguing, no, but it's not. But this isn't the law. She didn't do that. She just said, what is the law that I'm supposedly breaking? You're not answering my question. She kept doing that. And so this is where people can, if they're sure in what they're doing, well, she was very sure in what she was doing. If she wasn't, could have been way too easy to get into an argument. Now she's in dishonor or to remain silent. Now she's in dishonor and they'll make you do that. They'll threaten you to the point where, oh, oh, what do I say? I better not say anything. Oh, what if it's the wrong thing? Now you're being silent. Now you're in dishonor or arguing, you know, then you're in dishonor. So that's generally how it works. Wow, I just shared the the link. I'll do it one more time in the chat here of that exact video, and I've got it uh, up here. Yeah, cool. That was only- really well, and it's really cool to watch because mm. I just love the New Zealand accent. It's so it's like it's so friendly and lazy, and when you hear it applied to um to this sort of situation, it's kind of like I just enjoy hearing it. It's just fun. 
That's awesome. Yeah, you don't expect it when it's friendly and lazy tone, and then all of a sudden they're kicking butt like that. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. I I love it. Yeah, very good. Uh, those examples are priceless right now. That when you see somebody have a breakthrough and get a result that's uh, you know that they intended to get. And you can see that the transmission is so fast. That's what I've been getting from from Alphonse's stories and especially Ryan telling his own story firsthand because I, I heard that story. <clears throat> I still jumped up and down for joy. I thought it was amazing. But when, when he told it to us, there was a new energy transmission. Are there any stories that you could share with us of, of wins that you've had, remedies that you've got that uh, you don't mind divulging on in public yeah, this way? Cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, what kinds? Uh, say some of your normal everyday life stuff that people are facing all the time or if, if there was yeah. something bigger, all of it, any of it? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, so like little things like uh, being asked to scan QR codes to go into um, places, you know, I, I, um, I guess one of the, this is a good place to start because remember there's a big difference between dealing with a clerk at a store, for example, and a police officer. They're, they're two different people, so you've got to handle them differently and this is a big lesson to learn. So um, I was going into a store where they wanted me to, uh, first of all, put poison on my hands and then also scan a QR code. I, I generally don't even carry my phone with me anyway. So, uh, so they said, oh, so you got to do this to come in. And I said, oh, do I? Are you sure about that? And, uh, but I didn't say, oh, are you sure about that? I said, oh, do I really? Are, are, you, are you sure? Just because, um, you know, uh, I want to make sure you're sure of that before I do any of this. And I said it with a smile on my face because they're a clerk at the store. They're getting paid minimum wage. They're really just there to save up some money to, I don't know, buy something with and they don't really care about this sort of stuff. You already know that. So uh, so I was trying to make it easy for them. And then they said, yeah, yeah, if it's the law to do that. I said, oh, is it the law? Said, really? I haven't heard this law. Can you tell me which law that is? <laughs> Again, like being a bit playful with them. And, um, you know, they're saying, well, it's a, it's a, it's just the law. You know, it's the, it's the pandemic. You know, you've got to do this. I said, oh, really? Because... See, it's my understanding, though, that if you say something's a law, but you're not actually sure what you're quoting, you can actually go to jail for that. Did you know that? Ah, uh -huh. they go Good what? To know. <laughs> said, yeah, yeah. It's actually um, said, yeah, yeah. It's take my word for it, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Now, I wouldn't want to make any claims against you. I don't want to tell you that is the law because if I'm wrong, you know, I could, I could, that could be damaging to me. So, likewise, if you're wrong, you know, do you realize that could be damaging to you? And so we're just essentially now having a conversation and, and it's not me against them. It's like, hey, we don't, neither of us want to come to harm here. So then once they start to back down a bit, I say, um, you know, uh, we actually uh, here in our country, we've made a pamphlet. Well, not we, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> one of the ladies in our group did it. And it's a little pamphlet that you can give to anybody that's a business owner that's, that actually states the actual law. The actual law is that as a business owner, you are only... Your only job is to provide a good and service that you're being paid to provide. You want—it's not your job to, uh, to, you know, do the government's job. You can't ask or make anybody to do anything, such as hand over personal information or make them put on a medical apparatus, because that's not your job. Your job is to serve food or to give me a T-shirt and let me pay you for it. Your job is not to enforce government mandates at all. That's not your job. So, uh, so then. When they start to understand that, that if they do that, they breach privacy, which is in the Privacy Act, and then therefore they can be liable for a fine and or go to jail, then they start to change their tune. And uh, But what I do is I just say, hey, look, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, I don't want you to lose a business. I actually like your business. That's why I'm here to support you. 
So as a community, don't you agree that it's more important for us to stick together as a community than it is to try to like work against each other? Then just go, yeah, yeah, I do think that. So great. It was nice having the chat. I'm gonna go in and get my stuff and I'll say hi to you on the way out. And then they don't stop you from um, from doing anything. And so it's really a matter of not just being, oh yeah, you can't make me do this and walking out of the store and flipping them off as you walk out because that doesn't really create a harmonious um, uh, community, which is the most important thing is not losing community. So um, recently too, I went to I went to court because uh, from an outstanding driving without a driver's license thing, and then somebody else was going to court for the exact same thing. Uh, no, it was something different actually. Uh, yeah, it was not showing ID at a border crossing or something like that. And I told them about the non-consent process, okay? The non-consent process is, don't know how it works in Canada. I think it does, it works in Australia. Used to work every single time. Again, same thing. Used to work every single time. And now judges are just going like, we're not having any of this anymore because too many people are slipping through. Hmm. So what happens is non-consent is where you cross the bar. So you're in a courtroom, they call your name. You cross the bar. Now, when you cross the bar, you're on their ship, essentially, right? So, right. so you're technically in their jurisdiction. What people used to do is not cross the bar. If you don't cross the bar, you're not in the courtroom and they'll arrest you for not turning up in court, even though you're standing right there. So you go, all right, I'm crossing the bar. Then they say, again, they call your name, oh, Tom Barnett. And so you just go, you haven't agreed to being that. You just walk to the, you cross the bar, you take your, your position. And they, their first question, are you Mr. Tom Barnett? Mr. being mercantile, it's like a, it's a, it's a status, it's, a, it's a under being alive, it's, a, um, it's an entity term. So then if you say yes, you agree to being the person, now you're liable for everything that they want to uh, give to that name or that person, you know, the whole trust, trustee, beneficiary thing. So then if you say no, well, now you're arguing or being belligerent. So you're also in dishonor. And if you say no, you also have to back that up with evidence, which you can't provide unless you have, which is something different, unless you have all your paperwork to show that you're a living being, for example. But so what the non-consent process is, you say, well, I answer to that name out of necessity. And in doing so, I reserve all of my rights, waive all benefits and privileges. I'm only here under duress. I do not consent to doing business with the court or the prosecutor. I don't consent to being surety for the name. Um, I believe that I've done no wrong. Are we done? That's basic. That's the basic script. So I don't want to give it like too verbatim because other people will try to learn it and they'll probably get it wrong. But that's the basic thing. Is oh, hello. <laughs> He's on that's every show. What it is? Yeah, you're just you're essentially giving your non-consent to being there. You're only there under duress. So what happened is the uh, the other person that did it because they recorded it on their phone. The judge started to pull him up and then they asked a question back, which is really good enough to get what it was. And then the, the judge went silent for a bit and they let them go silent. And then the judge came back with some more stuff and they didn't know how to handle it, but they had them on the ropes. So when I was in, I think we had the same lady because she was really like not having anything, right? So when I'm in there, when she starts to talk and, and interrupt, because that's what she did to this, uh, this other lady that went in, interrupted them and therefore took the floor. If you have the floor, you do not stop speaking. They can't interrupt you. So I start saying, well, I don't consent to being here. I'm only here under duress. I don't consent to doing business, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, why are you even here? Then? How can you not be? And I didn't stop talking. I just said, I still, I don't consent to doing business with the prosecutor. I don't consent to being surety for the name. She's still talking over me, right? And I don't stop. So yeah, uh, I believe that I've done no wrong. 
is there any other business before the court today? And then she's still going. But it's like, I got, I spoke into the record. If you do not speak into the record, everything, it hasn't been said. So if you start your non-consent and then they stop you, it's like, you just stopped. You haven't said it. You haven't even said it once and you got to say it three times. So the difference is that she just got the shits with me then started going, well, how can you even be in here if you're not, how can you even be in it's just like, you know, not, not letting her draw me into her game. I just said, well, your honor, that may or may not be the case. But as I said, I don't consent to being here. I don't consent to doing business with the court. I just go through the whole thing again several times. And then mine went away and theirs didn't. And even, but here's the thing, they said at the time, oh, well, I'm going to adjourn this. And then they tried to get me back in, but um, I just, it, with responding with email of, look, I don't actually consent. And you've gone, you've done the wrong thing here because you've said that I have to come in. This is a reminder notice. I never got my first notice. How can I get a reminder notice to come in without being given the notice of another hearing date? So then it went away because I held my position on that. And But we had the exact same situation and the same magistrate. And, um, and so it's like, it really comes down to holding the position. That's where the successes come. Uh, when I sued a local government department, the way that I created the agreement was by holding my position verbally. So the, uh, I got them to admit that they uh, had fault. So when they had fault, I'm just going to make sure that my laptop's actually charging. It's not. Let me just plug this in. Uh, they were at fault and they didn't admit it. So what I did was I got them to admit that there was fault. And then I said, right, well, I'm going to write to you then. And then I sent them the notices of demand with an invoice for wasting my time. That was all it was. There was no legal grounds whatsoever for me to um, ask them for money, except for the fact that they've wasted my time. So now I put that in writing in the notice and included an invoice. They don't respond. They don't respond to the second notice or the third. So then what I do is I make a phone call to the, to the governing department and I say, look, I've got this issue with this manager at this department. I won't name him because I um, signed a confidentiality agreement to say that I wouldn't. And, uh, and, and I said, look, they've got a, these unpaid invoices, right? Now, I'm about to list them with a the civil tribunal. I don't want to do that because I think we can still remedy that. And then they said, well, okay, you'll get a call back within an hour. They never rang back. So because I recorded that call, now I can put that into the evidence. So I file for the civil tribunal. And I say, this is the outstanding debt, which just to give some context, started out as $77. $77 for wasting my time and me driving 30 kilometers out of my way for them to waste my time. Then because they didn't pay that after the second invoice, the third went to $108. Why? Because whenever anybody sends you an invoice and you don't pay it, do they not put on a late fee, right? They always mm -hmm. jack up the price. So I jacked up the price. Now it's $108, not 77. Then I gave them another opportunity to pay by calling them on the phone. Now, as far as a tribunal is concerned, I've done everything within my power to settle things honorably, to give them another chance to not go straight to a tribunal, but to give them a phone call at least and try to get a remedy. So now I've got every ground to do that. So now, because I've included a fee schedule with the original invoices, which is $350 an hour for my time if I have to pursue it, plus filing costs, now it went to like $1,500 odd dollars. So I went from $77 to $1,500. Then their crown lawyer gets involved because they've got they've been served notice to appear at a civil hearing to settle a debt. Now, remember that I created the debt. I created it out of technically thin air. I created the agreement and I created the debt. 
So now because I've got them on so many fronts, they didn't reply to the phone number that I put in the notices or my mailing address or my email. They didn't return my phone call. They're essentially in dishonor every step of the way. So now they can't argue that there's no debt, for example. And so their crown lawyer gets involved and says, hey, look, we need you to take this guy's name out who I've named in the notice and change it to the state of New South Wales or like, you know, the county of like, I don't know, what do you got? Like the city of Toronto or something. No, what's, mm. What do you have? You got cities and then you got what, counties or something? Uh, provinces in, provinces, in yeah, yeah. So province of Manitoba. The, mm-hmm. That's it. So that would, it would be, they'd say, you need to change it to the province of, right? Because you need to go after the, um, you know, the actual province. And in our country, we have to go after the state. And I say, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that because you're being a sneaky lawyer and you're trying to get me to change it to somebody who's not on the invoices or the notices who I have no agreement with and you can get that thrown out immediately. So I said, I'm not taking their name off it because they're the ones that are liable. That's who's on the notice. That's who's in default. And that's who the debt is against. It's not against the state or in your country. It's not against the province. So then then they say, okay, well, then we'll settle. <laughs> so. So then I get a settlement out of them and don't have to go to the tribunal. But remember, I created the agreement, I created the debt, and I held my position when their crown lawyer, who is like the top lawyer that they have, tries to get me to like not have an agreement with them at all. So when it goes to the tribunal, I lose. So um, uh, yeah, and then dealing with police officers, that's the, the other one, is it's really how you talk to them and it really is a matter of feeling out who's in front of you so i've had plenty of successes and it's because i've read who's in front of me and i haven't gone to a script because some people appreciate the heart to heart look you know just like oh, this this kind of like a way of going about things but still being firm and holding position with a, in a legal sense but being friendly with them and there's, then there's those that are just going to walk all over you if you like that you've got to be like them you got to be very firm, very direct. I'm directing you to do this and I'm standing strong and tall, that kind of thing. And they respect that. So the communication, remember, is um, I know I'm not giving too many direct examples, but it's like the more important thing is is reading the situation and, and uh, adapting to the situation because you're not dealing with the law. You know, the law is just this thing on a piece of paper. You're dealing with a human being in front of you. They're not the law. And they're not the court or they're not whatever. You're dealing with a human being. So if you talk to the human being first and foremost, you're going to have a much greater chance at having a positive result because that's what you're doing. And then the law is like something around you or behind you or whatever. And that's really important because most people just go, but the law is this and I know this and I know my rights and blah, blah, blah. And they're not talking to who they are in front of them. And if there's no connection, it's way easier. It's like... It's like if somebody's a murderer and they actually become friends with you, it's harder for them to murder you. It's like there's, oh, there's some report here now. It's like, you know, so if, <laughs> if they wanted to slap cuffs on you or slap a fine on you, it's harder to do if there's some form of connection. It's like, yeah, well, you know, well, maybe I'll just give you a warning this time or whatever. You know, that's how it can go. So that's what's happened to me several times. Uh, this one cop uh, got me when I was doing, um, I was driving around without a license, without registration. I'd printed my own plates off of eBay. I'd, I'd laminated my own license, all this sort of stuff. And when he had an, uh, he pulled me over and he's like, what's going on with all this? And I just had a conversation with him. And he knew that I wasn't like a F-U-F this, the law doesn't apply to me. I wasn't like that. I was just talking to him. 
and this was before I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't really know this. I just knew that you didn't have to register a car or hold a license, but I didn't know how to actually do it the right way. And so I was just saying what I was doing. And he could tell that I was not a threat, that I wasn't, you know, some just wayward, you know, psychotic guy. And so uh, we had, he, he gave me a fine, but because he didn't have anything to do, he just sent it to my PO box and it just kind of went away. He knew that it wasn't going to stick, but he had to do his job. Then he pulled me over another time because I wasn't wearing a seatbelt because I'd just come off the farm, pulled out on the road and he pulled me over and he goes, oh, it's you, what am I going to do with you? I know you've got no license and all this sort of stuff. And by this time I'd actually learned some stuff. And I said, well, hey, just out of interest, I said, what do you mean I know you? So, well, you know, I gave you a fine before. You, you, you don't have a license, you don't have registration. I said, well, how do you know that? Do you have some evidence for that? So now I'm starting to, to uh, you know, use my words the right way. But I'm also not being, uh, not being belligerent. I'm not raising my voice or saying, you can't do this or anything like that. And then he's saying, what are you talking about? So, hey, just before we go any further, I just want to know, you're a police, police officer, aren't you? Like, that's what you're presenting as right now. I said, what are you talking about? He's going, I don't have time for this. Said, oh, I don't have time for it either. Yeah, it's actually, did I stop you or did you stop me? So, you know, so I was traveling on my way. It appears though that you've stopped me and actually I see that you've got your emergency lights on. Now, is it not true that there needs to be emergency to have those lights on? So are you okay? I have a duty of care to see that you're okay. You're all right right now. I said, I'm fine. I said, great. Well, we're done here, aren't we? I've done my duty of care. You're fine. I don't particularly want to do any business with you. And, and he, he was he like, he already knew I was like one of those guys. And um, at this stage, because I'm being friendly about it, he just goes, look, mate, you can't be doing this. He puts on his police voice. You can't be doing this. Look, I'm going to have to, I've already given you a fine. Look, I've got to, I can't even give you another fine. I've got to give you a notice to appear in court or I've got to arrest you. I said, do you have to? Is that true? And, uh, you know, I'm just like, just saying, this is a really simplistic thing that I was doing. It's not even what I would say now. And I just kept asking questions like that. I said, really, is that true? Do you have to do that? I said, what law? compels you to do that have i broken some law today officer said by the way uh if you are an officer i'm gonna have to see some id because my understanding that plenty of people have been raped and things because somebody's stolen a police outfit and they're pretending to be a police officer so could i see your identification because i need to know that you're a cop i just because i've seen your face before i don't know who you are you know and um but i'm saying it quite friendly as well and he said look i don't have to show you id so oh really do you have some evidence for that because it's my understanding that you do so I'm just holding him accountable for everything that they're saying. And eventually he says, look, if you don't, if you don't provide me with some ID, you know, I already know that you, you don't have ID or whatever, like this, that, and the other. He said, I'm going to have to arrest you. I said, well, the thing is, is I don't believe that for a second. And the thing is, is that if you did arrest me, I first of all don't know that you're a police officer. And second of all, I'd have to sue you for that because you'd be breaching a lot of my uh, rights. You'd, you'd be in breach of, you know, this, that, and the other. I said, it'd be an assault for one. I said, you still haven't actually identified yourself and you're, break, you're breaking your own codes is my understanding. I'm not making claims. I just say it's my understanding because you've got these emergency lights on and I'm pretty sure there has to be an emergency. You've just told me there's not one. So uh, I'd have to report all of this. And I know because I know the name of the uh, the superior at the local, off, the local uh, police station. So I gave the name. I said, you know, such as I won't say the name, but at least his name's Bob. I said, I have to tell Bob about this and we'll see what he's got to say about it. And he just goes, yeah, right, all right. Well, look, how about you get on your way and um, don't do this, you know, make sure I don't see you again. And I said, all right, see ya. So it's like, you know, uh, it's just, there's a there's always a way around things because it's also how you speak to somebody. And that was the thing, it, I really believe it wasn't what I was saying. It's the way I was communicating with him. Just letting him know that I know what the score is but also that I don't have anything against him. 
And also that, look, if he just wants to get on his way, that's fine. Like, don't waste your time with me. I know you're trying to get your quota up and that. It's like, you're just going to waste your time with me. I'm going to make it harder for you than it's worth. Like how we said at the start, if you have a $400 fine, but it's easier for you just to pay it because you'll save yourself time and effort and energy and just paying it as opposed to fighting it, then sometimes it's easier to do that. And likewise, sometimes it's easier for police or anyone like that to just let you go when they know you're going to make it so hard for them to make a fine or a court appearance stick that it's not worth it because you're going to make them uh, get go through having a investigation on their behavior or you're going to take them to court yourself. You're going to serve notices on them. They have to respond or they have... It's like that's a lot of work for them. So you, you can mm-hmm. kind of like allude to the fact that you're going to make it really difficult for them or you can both just go your separate ways now. No harm, no foul. I'll give you a wave next time I see you. And, uh, and yeah, that's not going to work every time. But what I'm saying is that the way you deal with people is more important than learning like, you know, the words that you speak, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's all in the tone. Like when I'm coaching people, I can always see when they've had a breakthrough or hear when they've had a breakthrough because their voice literally changes frequency. And uh, I was helping somebody to do some coaching today. And, you know, there might have been things that were off the map, but his position was perfect it was exactly what was needed and it overrode some of those technical things that otherwise might not have worked quote unquote right Mm -hmm. uh so i totally get where you're coming from and and this is a major goal right to be able to deal with authorities i'm i'm a long-standing you know teenage runaway and i balked the system and i was a rebel without a cause and i got into a lot of trouble i went to jail and all that kind of stuff i didn't i didn't deal honorably in all in any of that and uh, so i'm still trying to live down that side of myself that gets up in arms and i don't actively outwardly get that angry anymore <laughs> still working on this stuff it's amazing yeah. <clears throat> how deep it goes but oh, there he is there, the King Hero. He's in Australia as well. So do you do any consulting with people whatsoever in, in situations? Do you, can they hire you to help them? Yeah, I have. It's more just mm-hmm. um, the, the pe- I've done it with people who've been facing uh, some uh, quarantine things. and uh, But I generally don't do it that much because it's not my, it, it. I don't think people realize that it can take a lot. And sometimes it's better to just uh, handle what you've got in front of you and take a loss if need be, but go through the learning experience because to hire somebody to do everything for you is actually, I don't believe it's that, um, I don't believe it's that fruitful. Like personally, I never did it. I handled all of my issues myself. I got some tidbits of advice from people and sometimes I pay for it, but I didn't expect them to um, to uh, solve it for me because it could get too expensive. Like Mark, who I learned from is like $300 or $250 an hour or something. And it's like, if I needed him, if I needed to pay him every time, I got a notice back and I don't know what to say. Can you help me with that? It's like, it just cost me thousands of dollars to just learn how to do something and they're not really learning how to do it. So I, I always dealt with my own things. Um, realistically, everything that I would say to somebody one-on-one, I've already said in interviews or live streams anyway. So sometimes it's more a case of going through and learning, just learning from the materials because there's plenty out there. But um, what I do help people with though, more so than going against government things is private agreements. So recently somebody got sold a dodgy van and the rule is buyer beware, but we noticed the people that uh, sent it to that sold on the dodgy van, got a bit of evidence together that it was dodgy, noticed them, they got a lawyer involved, then we noticed the lawyers, and then they've come to it, they offered a settlement, 
which you can keep the van and we'll give you half the money back. We said we wanted all of the money back, but they came to agreement. You would have never have got that without, um, you know, if you had just tried to go to court or whatever, you would, wouldn't have got that result. So what I generally deal with people if they want help with these things is just private agreements and establishing private agreements because that's where uh, there's just there's way less that can go wrong because there's this element of me that just if they understand that it could go on and on and on, then that's fine. But I think most people expect that if they hire you, they're going to get a specific result in a specific time frame. But when you're dealing with things like corrupt courts or, you know, corrupt magistrates and dodgy police and all that sort of stuff, it's not necessarily going to be three notices and you're out. You know, you might have to do that. Then you might have to do this. Then you might have to file something else on them. Then you might have to do this. And if and if you've been the one leading them by the hand and then you let go of the hand, they're lost. Because they're like, well, I can't afford to keep paying you for that. And it's like, well, I've either got to keep doing that now because it's like I've got a moral dilemma of just letting you go or whatever, you know, you're going to like bankrupt you because I'm not going to do it for free, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah, with the law stuff, I don't do so much consulting for. I do mostly uh, health consults and um but yeah, more that kind of line of things. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And it's uh, the difference between a, a consultant and a coach that it seems like you more are by definition, just that you're, you're going to lead people to their own conclusions so they can be independent yeah. in the process, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, like you're saying, if you have to turn to somebody every time, they're, they're, it's guaranteed they're not going to be there at the right moment. It's just guaranteed because yeah. we are meant to get all of this stuff for ourselves. Right. Nobody, nobody can do it for you. I think that's one of the principal, um, you know, teachings that, that I've taken away. No, nobody's showing up for me on this one. I have to show up for myself. That's right. Yeah. And it really is. This is the whole essence of everything that we've really been talking about is that it does have to be a personal responsibility. And I get that sometimes you want somebody, you want to hire them to coach you because that's what I've been doing with people. They say, I don't expect you to solve it. I just want to pick your brain for an hour or two hours. And then I just want to learn this concept more and then I'll apply it myself. Those people I do consults for. Mm. When people say, when people say um, look, I want you to do this, help me write this notice and do that, but they're not actually engaged or invested in the learning component where they can do it themselves, then that's where I don't do uh, consults. So yeah, I guess that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, I do coaching, but it's basically so people can understand the basics so that they can go out and affect their own action, but I don't go and affect, I don't act as a lawyer where I'll mm -hmm. represent them or I'll do their notices for them or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's great. I totally adhere to that as well because otherwise they're stranded. The moment they don't have you, they, yeah. they don't know anything. So. It's, they're not, it's not doing them a favor. I literally liken it to somebody like if you were like Bruce Lee or something and then somebody goes, oh, can I hire you to fight my bullies? It's like, it's just, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not going to work and you can get yourself into more trouble than it's worth. You know, if you just try to get some concepts and then try to get somebody to do something for you and then they're not there, they don't have your back when it's needed. It's like you've you've poked a tiger in the eye, for example, and now you're gonna try to deal with that and you don't know how to handle the tiger. It's much better to just go, well, damn it, I wish I knew this 10 years ago, but I didn't, I didn't learn this 10 years ago, so I'm gonna deal with these first few losses that are in front of me and I'm gonna treat them all as a learning experience. Yeah, I can hire a coach and I can hire a coach to get me to understand what I'm doing better, but these losses aren't going to go away. I'm going to have to take them. You have to take my medicine, but I'm going to use them as a learning experience. And then I'm going to come back stronger. Next time this happens, I'm going to be much better equipped. So, um, yeah, that's basically where I'll work with people is the coaching on how to handle things, not necessarily trying to fix something that's already in motion.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. That's amazing. And so how do people uh, connect with you? What's your What's your favorite point of entry? I can put something up on our on our uh, screen here. Well, at the moment, it's just my email, which is info at globalbiodynamics.com. Okay. And, uh, but my website's almost ready, which is tombarnett.tv. And if people go there, it's the mailing list design. It's just a landing page. So if you pop your name in, you can go on the mailing list. And as soon as the site's live, then you'll have access to uh, all the content that I've done so far. I'm going to be putting um, like products up, which a product meaning like a course, an actual in-depth, because you, you can learn a lot from live streams and interviews, but there's obviously some things require very detailed explanation. And that's like a, that'll be an actual course. So I'll have those available. And uh, yeah, contact for coaching and things like that. So at the moment, it's info at globalbiodynamics.com for email. And then uh, tombarnett.tv for the mailing list. And it's basically, the site's all there. It's ready to go. It just needs to be, um, yeah, that's it. It just needs to be uh, launched. And the reason it's taken so long to launch, because some people know that this has been on the in the works for a while, is that other people have launched through similar uh, hosting providers and all that and lost their sites. So we don't want to risk launching and then three weeks into launching, then the site gets pulled or something like that. Mm. So we need to make sure that it's, it's, it's very much secure. So when it goes up, it stays up and no one can take the content down or anything like that. So that's been the holdup, but we're basically there. I'm just getting a different bank account done up, which should be done by the end of next week, and then the approval from the people who are going to host the app, and then we're good to go. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, definitely take note of the URL, tombarnett.tv. And if you'd like to uh, look into how you can get Tom's help right now, you, the info at globalbiodynamics.com is the email to send. And uh, can, uh, do you have time for another question or two? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I promised that I was going to talk about equity a little bit. And I heard you, I had that question down. And then I heard you talk about how, you know, it might not be the first thing you do. But what, what can you share with us about equity? Uh, so my, well, equity is essentially just uh, the remedy for the common man who was not getting remedy through, uh, you know, common law, for example. So what you've got is, it's essentially what is fair, what is just and what is equitable. Those are essentially the laws. That's what equity is. And so equity is where you can go to get a remedy. And it's sometimes as simple as asking, look, is there, is this fair? Is this just or is this equitable? You know, is this fair and just that this man just put his hands on my child? Is that equitable? Is that fair? Is that just? The answer is obviously no, but you're also leading people to the, uh, you're setting people up if you ask those questions. So that's just how you can get into the realm of equity is simply by putting yourself there. Is this fair, just or equitable? Are we not dealing here with the rules of equity? You know, do the rules of equity not, uh, well, the way it works in our country and yours too, it'll just be a different um, act or whatever. Ours says that if there is any controversy between the rules of the common law and the rules of equity, then equity prevails. So it just means if somebody's trying to use case law or or, uh, in the realm of common law and there's no remedy there and there's a conflict between that and what would be equitable. So let's say common law or case law says that Um, Any man can put his hand on any child at any time. And that was signed off by a high court judge, for example. Then if you say, yeah, but is that fair or just or equitable that a man can just put his hands on a child for no reason? Then the rules of equity trump the rules of common law. So that case law that that might be a precedent, even though that wouldn't be one, (laughs) put your hands on a kid for no reason, that wouldn't be one. It's just an example. Then if that was the case, then the rules of equity would prevail because that is not fair, just or equitable. So that's essentially how that comes in. And it's very much in the realm of commerce as well. Um, it, it really kind of is the 
Uh, so, for example, is it fair, just or equitable that somebody would lie to me and then sell me a van that is obviously mechanically not sound? Um, it's like, yeah, but the consumer rule says that it's consumer buyer beware. You should have got that checked by an independent mechanic. You should have done this. And that's what the law actually says. That's why so many people, if you buy secondhand goods and they're dodgy, they never get a remedy. But when you take it into equity and you say, but look, I have evidence here in a text message that says that they claimed this, they made the claim. So is that not fraud? Was that not fraudulent that they sold? They Don't worry about buyer beware. Were they not acting fraudulently when they said that this was checked by a qualified mechanic? This backstory, you don't know, but wasn't done by a qualified mechanic. And so, but you claimed it was. So is that fair, just or equitable? Is that not fraud? So now you've taken it into a jurisdiction that trumps the consumer law that says buyer beware. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where equity fits for me. Okay. Okay. So it's uh, it's not anything more than that. That's great. That's so simple. I love it. <laughs> yeah, simple is good. Yeah, that's it. Uh, there's a good good maxim around. It's not a legal maxim, but if it's uh, if it's not simple, it's not true. Mm. Do you believe that? Basically, yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what's it called? Occam's razor or something as well? It's like the usually the simplest answer is the right one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. Um, so. Along those lines, trust law. Do you do you come up against that? Do you do you use it? Is it practical, or what do you what do you recommend it's there? More, it's more applicable in Canada than it is in Australia. We don't okay. actually have because I've heard Alphonse speak about it, and it's all true. I've seen people break it down and show the remedy, but it's not its direct carryover to Australia because me and some other people have been looking into that a, a lot over the years and haven't found that there's the remedy because we don't have the actual precedent or law that actually allows that to take place you they they all just wipe it under the table so what we're looking at doing is using canadian law to affect that in australia which we think we can do because uh we can use cruden versus neil for example as the high court case in australia even though that's american case law we can still use it in australia because australia doesn't have an equivalent so when there's no equivalent in the commonwealth in our country we can draw on uh, United States case law or Canadians uh, case law, for example, mm. to support a matter in Australia because where there is no remedy here, we have to be able to draw it from somewhere else. So we think we can use the Canadian law that we don't have here to give the remedy in the trust law in our country, but it's yet to be tested. Remembering that Australia is everywhere is corrupt, don't get me wrong, because they're all Freemasons. Like a, 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 um, a court is a Masonic temple. So you're not really dealing with a, on a level playing field anywhere, but Australia is just more so because of the fact, fact that it's technically conquered and there's no, it's a lawless nation. So it's actually commerce here is harder than anywhere else, relatively speaking. It's, it's not easy anywhere, but relatively speaking, it's, it's more corrupt here. And so we think we can use Canadian law here, but it's yet to be tested. So until somebody does that, Nobody can, we don't take this as, oh, yeah, we're just going to do that and it'll work because we don't know. We have to test it, mm-hmm. which we're in the process of doing. Mm-hmm. It goes without saying, I'll say it anyway, but this is not for you to go and, you know, scribble down what Tom said and go and do it and then turn around and blame him or me for the, the situation. Yeah. This is the opposite yeah. of what we're doing here. And, and I'll yeah. also make the same disclaimer for previous interviews that I've had that, you know, I've, I've educated myself along the way. Maybe I would, there were some people I wouldn't interview, but everybody seems to have a piece of the puzzle. And to see through their eyes is invaluable, what, what they have done and how they've made their life um, work or not work as a result, right? Results are, are the thing that don't lie on the other side. Yeah. 
yeah. from how it's I can tell. It's kind of really similar to diet, you know, because there's some people that will swear by eating just bacon or just grapes or something. Yeah. It's like that's not going to work for everybody. So yeah. you got to take everything as like learn from us, learn from – this is how I did it with Mark, for example, is I heard what he was saying, but I resolved myself to – like I do things different from him. And he's done this for 25 years. He's won Supreme Court things. He's gone against banks and the, the, the tax office, like the IRS, and he's won. And it's like, I've never been in front of those people, but I still do things differently to him because it's just, it's either not me, the way he does it or says it, or he said something and it hasn't worked for me. I've had to find my own answer. And this is a guy who's like a master at it. So what we say, we're essentially just giving people the opportunity to learn and grow, nothing more than that. We're not giving you the exact remedies you can follow start to finish and you'll get the same result because, hey, you, you might not get the same result. Different set of circumstances, dealing with different human beings. And this is where the self-responsibility comes in. So definitely take inspiration. Uh, definitely take, you know, motivation from what we're doing. But at the same time, it's like you've got to, you've really got to do it yourself and take responsibility and be creative because you are going to have to figure out nuances and slight differences in anything that we talk about or any of your other guests. That's why you get different guests on. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you just get Alphonse on or you just get like Cal Washington on and it's like, all right, everything he says is true. And mm -hmm. it's not that what he's saying isn't true either or what I'm saying isn't true, but it's got to be said it's not going to work in every circumstance and that's why you have different different people on because you need the different perspectives for the puzzles, you know, the little things to, oh, that clicks now. I heard him say it and I heard her say it and now I'm hearing it again in a different way. Now it's clicking. Mm -hmm, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the reason you do it. Mm -hmm. And do you refer to the Bible at all in, in your process? Like you haven't mentioned it. Is it, uh, is it no. part of your work? It's not. Okay. It's such a big part of some of the approaches yeah. that are out there. Yeah. I agree with doing it. I absolutely mm -hmm. do because it all mm -hmm. comes from the Bible. And Mark does too. He says, you know, when um, he said it to judges, he says, you know, was was Peter not tested three times before the cock crowed? He uses like all these lines from the Bible and the, it really works with the judges. But he's been in court over 500 times and I've been in court like five times. So I just haven't had the chance to use these things. And I also wouldn't because for me, my main aim is to set up my adversary. That's my game. So I guess that's another way to put it is that we all have a game or a game plan. You know, if we go into playing a, a tennis match or something, like my game plan might be to serve and volley, which is where you serve and then you rush to the net. And then that's other people's game is to stand back at the baseline and play a long game. It's like we all have different games in order to play the same sport. So we're all in this game of legalese and, and you know, true law and natural law together, but we all have different game plans. And mine is just to set up my adversary and hold them accountable when they fumble because I like doing that. I actually enjoy it. I like watching people fall apart in front of me because then making claims they can't back up or they realize they don't know what they're talking about. And so, uh, yeah, I just haven't had to bring up any verses from the Bible, but I would in the right situation. I, I would use it. It's just that I haven't so far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's cool. Wow. With any luck, you and I can connect again because there are so many things that you are an expert in that I want to talk to you about. But uh, I know that we've already been over over two hours today. Does anyone have a burning question? The chat has been amazing, like so many, so many messages, and uh, I will enjoy them later. I've been, I need to pay my full attention to really get what what you're talking about, Tom. But if anyone has a burning question, put it in caps or something. How do we get here? No, that's I don't think that's on the menu. <laughs> um, I, I believe it is a different world that we're in right. 
right now things are changing. Uh, certain pieces like the long-form birth certificate is getting harder to get uh, thanks to the, the they got, got an excuse for everything, the pandemic now is this is why we can't do this and we can't do that. They don't return emails anymore. They don't return phone calls anymore. Oh, great. Interesting. Uh, the passport office uh, said, no, you can't do this for eight years unless you can prove you've already got a changed signature. And it's like, oh, well, here's my driver's license. And they're like, okay, good, you can do it, right? But yeah. now they're starting to create all these blocks for people. So yeah. I think I love what you're saying. And that's why I reference the Bible too, because there was, in the time of Noah, he was bringing us all along. But now we have to bring ourselves along. It's each, each single one has to bring themselves and there's no way out of that. Yeah. And the other part of that, I totally agree. The other part though is, is being in community because it's that, it's that common unity. And that's where they currently have, well, they always wanted to have, they don't really, they wanted to have their strength is in their numbers and because we're fragmented. So the, when we carry it through ourselves, but we actually form proper community, which is how we're supposed to live then that's their worst nightmare. That's why social distancing, that's why, you know, uh, divide and conquer because they don't want us united. And, and that's, you know, we don't have to agree with each other on everything and like each other all of the time, but we do have to unite. And uh, that's, that's that next step. And uh, more and more people are doing it. And that's almost like they've gone too far. And you look at the amount of people now that are trying to get, get together with other people on land and do homesteading and do everything the natural way then, hey, look, that's what they've actually led us to that. And I think it's awesome because that's like the natural, it's, it's um, what do you call it? It's just nature regulating itself. It's like you put too much energy up here, then it, it like regulates down here. You put too much water in over here and then something else counters it over here. Like they're trying too hard to segregate people and say so people are forming community. I know, I know. It's so exciting. I've never been more connected than in my whole life, actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. There was one burning question. How do you stay centered? Uh, yeah, well, good question. That's, it's mm -hmm. a really simple answer. Is It's just you, 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 uh, it's a choice. It's like you, you always move to the center. It's a choice to be taken away out of your center, and it's a choice to remain in your center. So that's mm -hmm. the simple answer. Not necessarily mm -hmm. easy because of the energy and polarity that's involved, but the simple answer is that you just choose your center. Amazing. Yeah, you just turn. I mean, God's always there. You just have to turn your direction in, in, in and, and they're you know it he whatever however you want to talk about that is so uh david thank you for your question about contacting tom the the email info at global biodynamics as it is up on the screen here is is the best way to contact him and then his website is going to be up shortly and that is tombarnett.tv so those two will work and this one is uh, a little bit behind but you can already sign up for his email list i noticed there's a, a form there yeah. you can put your name and email and stay connected so well, God bless you, Tom. I uh, absolutely have loved this conversation. It's been an honor and a pleasure for me to connect with you. Thank you to our uh, our connection for doing that. They actually came and, and said to me that they knew you. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a miracle because people have asked me for months and months. Could you please interview Tom Barnett? And I'm like, yes, I have a feeling that will happen. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, so great. And um all right. Well, everybody, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Tom, uh, keep us posted. Stay tuned and uh, definitely go over. And what's the what's the best social media? What's, what's Are you on um, Telegram, by the way? Um, no, I'm not. I haven't got 
onto that yet. I'm on okay. Facebook and YouTube, um, basically for the time being until I get banned from both of them again. <laughs> I was just going to say, why do you think they don't kick you off? You're you are a danger to society. That's what I was saying. Unnecessarily yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm heavily shadow banned. I know that people keep telling me that I get notifications when I do stuff, and then mm -hmm. I've even they don't even have the ability to re-follow me anymore. It's like grayed out. They used to follow me, and they said, I don't. I haven't seen your stuff for ages. Somebody sent shared your video, and I'm like. Why didn't I see it? And then they see that their um, notification things grayed out. Like they go, oh, well, I'll refollow him, and they can't. You can't. They can't even click on it and refollow. So I'm definitely shadow banned. Um, they just haven't kicked me off completely yet. Okay, well, very good. Yeah, we're all biding our time here in Babylon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you, Tom, and uh, we will be staying in touch and in tune. For sure. Thanks, okay. Man. Okay. You're welcome. Bye for now.